Hello and welcome to episode number 23 of The Third Power. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, we're, uh, I guess it's season two, because it's been like two months since we did the last one. Right, we had a brief writer's strike, but we're back. Now that we have everybody back under contract, you know, all of, uh, we got our writers back to uh, script all of Usman's giggles again. <laughs> oh, they're working overtime. <laughs> I have I have quite a few extras in this one. Well, like I said, episode number 23, we're back, and uh, we're just going to have a show about a bunch of different topics. We're going to just talk about a bunch of stuff that happened, uh, some random things about different ideas that other people have had for us to talk about, and, you know, just, just talk about Cube. Just get back into talking about what we all like the most. Yeah, seriously, it's been, I guess I could say it's been way too long, but... I already said it, but I'll say it again, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I thought you hired these writers. What are those writers doing for you? You're not supposed to have nothing. They're probably on strike again. I don't know. Are they being, they're, like, relaxing? <laughs> they're probably drinking, they're getting drunk on the clock. Yeah, they're drinking by listening to, uh, playing the Usman, the third power drinking game? Uh-oh. <laughs> they're probably dead. They're all alcohol poisoning. Already. Well, cool, man. Well, I'm glad we got a chance to be back together and, and do this again. And hopefully this will, you know, like the last few, I hope this starts a, a more regular thing. Uh, both of us with uh, actual, you know, full-time jobs now, of course, put a damper on things rather than we when we were unemployed and just able to podcast whenever we felt like it. Like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, let's do podcasts about you know, right, hopefully we won't have, you know, any more random power outages or... Oh, wow, that, yeah, that was the worst. That was the worst ever. So, uh, or random internet outages or whatever else can happen and will happen. And uh, Well, I'll tell you what, why don't we get started before we have one of these power outages? Yeah, seriously. I see like, my cat looking hungrily at the Ethernet cable. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, like, do you want to talk about what's been ha- what happened since since we last recorded, like Stone Age? And, uh, Whew, man, let's see. Well, man discovered fire. <laughs> also, they'd invented the wheel. Uh, a good friend of the program and a good friend of ours, uh, Adam Prozac, uh, finished second place at the Star City Invitational. That was just recently. The week before that was St. Louis and. Both uh, you and I got a chance to attend one of one each of those. Yeah, I didn't know that the Invitational was in Charlotte, and I uh, kind of assumed it was in Indy again. I was like, oh, sweet, I can go. And then finding out it's in Charlotte, and I'm like, oh, oh. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But yeah, like, I got a chance to get a good amount of cubing, and I actually got some cube cards on the cheap from store credit that I have from writing. Nice. Like, I think I got a, I don't know, I think I got, like, a Molten Steel, or not Molten Steel, a Molten Tail Mask Bar for, like, a couple of bucks, which I still had a proxy of, and I'm just like, whatever, let's let's make this thing real for two bucks. Nice. And then, yeah, like, some Collector's Edition cards, like, I think I like a uh, Collector's Edition uh, Control Magic, Psyblast, I think, I think that was it, and then... uh you know, a friend who, you know, lived, he lives kind of close to the area. Like, he gave me, you know, we hung out for a good amount that day on the Saturday, and he gave me this, like, proxy foil full art Jace. 
Oh, and he's wow. like, yeah, and I was like, wow, this is insane. He's like, do you want my, like, do I, you want anything for it? He's like, no, it's been sitting in my binder forever. I'm like, are you sure I don't owe you, like, a kidney or something or, like, my soul or anything? Happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out none of those were on the menu. It's just like, yeah, uh-huh. just have it. And it's like, wow, sweet. Awesome. His name is uh, TJ Aker, by the way, on Twitter. Uh, oh, okay. That's kind of a shout-out. So, yeah. Good, cool so, guy. Yeah. Go follow him or something. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. And then, yeah, the whole, uh, what happened? Like, the whole Planeswalker points got changed again or whatever. Didn't it get changed again? I, I don't know. Did they change it? I, I mean, I'm sure they're going. They're definitely going to change it again um, because of all the stories of people just jamming side events at Worlds, earning more Planeswalker points than the people who top aided the event. Oh, like uh, PV or whatever? Right, like PVDDR and uh, uh, Kibler, I think, top 16 or top 32 and had the same thing happen with one of his friends. And Wow. I, I think someone recently, I saw a post recently that, Based on the current situation of where the standings are, you have to average like a hundred. What did he say? Like a hundred and twenty or a hundred and fifty planeswalker points a week to have a chance. Jeez. Wow. And, and you know, you think about the you know, any any individual person, and that's you know, close to impossible. I mean, even if you play, let's say you play Magic twice a week, and let's say every single week you win F and M, and every single week you win a draft. I mean, that's not even remotely close. No, you have to, like, PTQ it up or whatever, or go right, PT like, it up or whatever. Exactly. Like, I got a, uh, I don't remember how much it was. Let me let me look it up here real quickly. Um, I think when I, I top-baited a, a recent PTQ, and uh, I barely got over 100 points or whatever it was, you know. Wow. I'm wow, I blame Oh no! Not to not to kick the horse about it's being a long time, but it's been about two months since my last sanctioned event too. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I kind of looked at it and it was like October whenever I uh, did a draft at Ogres. I'm like, wow! I'm totally winning this race. I'm doing this Planeswalker point grind thing really well. Yeah, racking up those Planeswalker points. Let's see. For my top eight, let's see. No, I need to see more than just recent history. Only showing five tournaments. What are you doing? Um, I guess I'll enter my password here real quick. Oh no, it's the secrets of the internet. If I can remember what it is. Uh, password one two three four. <laughs> oh no. Well, it's got a bunch of stupid capital letters mixed in, and it's been a long time. Oh, we, we did it. Oh, nice. All right, let's see. So I got, I top-aided a, a PTQ. Uh, let's see here. It was 108 players. I top-aided a PTQ and got 110 points, which is definitely below what that average was. Wow. So basically, you have to average more points than, I finished fifth place, you have to average more points than top aiding a, a, a fairly large, or a, a medium-sized PTQ. Wow, that's awful. Boo. So, this I'm is... sure they're going to be doing some uh, re-evaluation. Yeah, some tweaking and whatever. Just like the modern bannings, oh, segue. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't know. I, I never, never really got much into modern, but, you know, uh, punching fire seems 
like curse scroll, as it turns out, is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and you know, and, and the reason for that is I don't know. Um, I, I'm not sure if you've ever played with the card or played against the card in a constructed format, but literally, you know, uh, the it, think about Sensei's Divining Cup. And think about, you know, that card got banned or whatever, partially because it takes so long. Oh, right, yeah. Now, while Punishing Fire takes less time than that, it definitely feels that way. Like, if you go and watch, uh, to plug your home website, if you go and watch uh, oh, Todd Anderson's uh, Jund video, yeah, he's playing, my... like, Punishing Fire Jund. And literally watching, he both he and his opponent had Punishing Fire decks with Groves out, yeah, and I've watching that. that whole thing just hurts my head. Yeah, I watched. Like, I watched uh, that after after like a long day of work. I remember watching that. and I'm like, oh my god, I'm falling asleep. Oh, forty. It was like forty minutes too. There was that. There was one match. I think it was like guy with like a red, white, blue deck or something. Right, right. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I was like, oh god, I'm gonna fall asleep. And literally, it was like, Punishing Fire, you tap this, get back Punishing Fire, Punishing Fire, you. And he's like, tap this, Punishing Fire, you, Punishing Fire, you, Punishing Fire, you. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that the card itself actually gets around Extirpate if you have a Grove of the Burn Willows untapped. Yeah, like when he tried to a Relic him, and he's like, oh, I'll just bring it back. Right, but even, I mean, it even beats Split Second. Because, oh, really? Wow. wow. Because you're, uh... From my understanding, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought I remember reading somewhere, because you can tap your lands, and the trigger will still go on the stack, because it's a triggered ability by your opponent gaining life, and you can tap your mana. You just can't, a split second, it's just you can't play any spells or activated abilities, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right, yeah. Wow. Wow. So even even the card that would quote-unquote get it, uh, still doesn't really get it. You know, yeah, so as long as the spells in the stack, players can't cast spells or activate abilities that aren't mana abilities. But you can tap your Grove of the Burn Willow, which is an activated ability, and it puts that re bring it back to your hand trigger on the stack, and then you can pay it and get it back. That's awful. So yeah, and it and it constrained a bunch of design space because, you know, they, they don't you don't get to play tribal decks because, you know, all the lords are two twos. So literally, you can just grind people out, and to be honest, it's not very fun. Yeah, it seemed uh, pretty pretty awkward. So that's you know, I understand that Wild and the Coddle being banned is is kind of a lull. I mean, I understand, but you know, it may, one of my first comments on on Twitter or whatever afterwards was, hey, that you know something about how we all laughed that Kurt Ape was banned back in the day. Yeah, well, Juggernaut. Yeah, right, and Juggernaut was banned. But this makes the Kurt Ape, this uh, makes it look like the Kurt Ape banning. Granted, you know, 3-3 three, three is obviously, a, you know, significantly better than, than a 2-3. But uh, I think what they're going to find, and I think what's going to happen, which is what I, I feel like Legacy is going, at least a little bit, is I think you're going to find that Snapcaster Mage is actually the, the, suffoc- the stifling card in the format. Yeah, it seems like it. It seems like it is in Legacy, but, yeah, I don't really play the format that much, but... It does seem like it, yeah, like, uh, Snapcaster, Surgical Extraction, or whatever, it just seems like people just want to play a lot more cheap things. I think, I think it was on an episode of, like, Jerry T or something, where we talked about, like, you know, it's kind of like a split card. Right. It's like nobody cared about Spite Malice, but if you get a split card with, like, five modes, like, who, what, where, when, why, 
Right, and you also get a 2-1 on top of it? Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, it's like, oh sure, 2-1. Uh, right, and all the split cards are awesome. Like, your split card is like, uh, Lightning Bolt, Path to Exile, Dismember, Brainstorm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm, nice, nice split card. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so... I think they'll find that, but I am—I have to admit—I am looking forward to the BTQ season. I, I do want to play some, some modern. Actually, going to go jam some modern tomorrow night. I think so. Sweet. We'll see how that works out. Yes, that's good. Someone posted a really, really interesting deck uh, on Twitter. That's basically a bunch of guild mages and uh, what is the enchantment that makes activated abilities cost two less? It's a one blue enchantment. Oh, from, training grounds or whatever. Yeah. It's oh, like training grounds plus it, like is it guild mage and Demir guild mage and Azorius guild mage and stuff. Wow. And basically, and it's got a Manamorphos or whatever. So I'm assuming that the kill is that you just copy Manamorphos and Lightning Heal like a Lightning Helix a bunch. That's beautiful. That's just beautiful. <laughs> There's a part of me that wants to see if I can build it for tomorrow night just to try it out. I really hope that's a good. I hope that's a good deck. If so, that makes me happy. God, Demir guild mage. God, I love that card. So much, so much value. So much value on a dude. <laughs> yeah, there's a killed mage is amusing too. You like metamorphose it, copy, yeah. copy, copy, uh. copy. <laughs> Two mana, copy. Because if you have a training balance and play, it only costs one to copy it. Yeah. So you're netting one mana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One mana plus one card. Go with it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, one mana cards uh, for Q, uh, Faithless Looting, that card, I don't know, I've been trying it out. Like, that new careful study with flashback. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. It's kind of interesting how, like, a little bit of value can make a card go from, like, meh to, like, good. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, First Lightning. That's kind of an example I can think of, or, like, Firebolt. Sure. Or, like, yeah, Firebolt or something, where it's, like, one red for a shock is just awful, but add a four and a red to it, and it, you know, becomes good, you know, because you get extra value out of it. Right, 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 right. And I don't know, it's... I, I kind of remember, like, when they interviewed Eric Lauer on... I think it was... I forget. I think it was on... Evan Irwin interviewed him. Okay. About uh, Innistrad, and they said he kind of talked about the cards and like Geist of Saint Traft was one of them. And I think in like it was either in an article or maybe on here I talked about how it's kind of like a saboteur card, and it's like an old school term for cards like that do something when they deal damage to an opponent, like Ophidian, Hippie, uh, Orin Viper, stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, Geist is like a really interesting Ophidian, like a saboteur guy. And then people, you know, some people are like, this guy is, this guy is stupid. What is he talking about? And then Eric Lauer said, and I'm like, yes, vindicated. I don't feel so dumb. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I don't know, like, I've been trying it. I haven't had, like, a ton of drafts with Faithless Looting so far because I haven't proxied. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, nice value. You it's yeah, it seems awesome. Like, even on something like turn three or turn four, you're just, like, trade in these extra lands or whatever for some other cards. Yeah, and then... Later in the game, you draw a blank, and you're just like, okay, flash it back. Let's yeah. see if we can find something real. Yeah, let's see if we can find that cough or whatever. 
Yeah, or that find, bird. you know, oh, they're at three. Let's see if we can find one of mice. I mean, how many times have you played a red deck and you're just like, okay, I just need to draw a single burn spell and I'm good, and, like, you just don't and you wind up dying? I mean, I think that's a, a perfect card to fill in that gap. Yeah, I'm just... And I think I, I kind of feel this way about Reckless Charge is that I think it's in a weird spot because, like, in aggressive decks, there's few spaces for spells, you know, non-creatures. So, yeah, it's like I have... Like, my swords, my equipment, my burn, where am I going to fit Reckless Charge in? But, like, it's usually worth it for Reckless Charge, and I think Faithful Suiting's better. Yeah, so like Reckless Charge a lot in uh, Old Standard. Oh, like the... Uh, at time playing Phantom Centaur and Reckless Charging it against, like, the Mono Black deck. Oh, jeez. Take eight, sucker. Blast it back, take eight. Right. Good. Good game. So I'm excited, like, if, if that, yeah, like, if that, if cards like that are in new, uh, whatever, I don't even know what it's called, uh, middle set, Innistrad, I don't even know, who cares? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's, it's Set it. number two of the Innistrad block. Yeah, essentially. Oh, Dark Ascension, yeah, MD. Obviously, because it's Pro Tour Dark Ascension. Well, I was gonna not say, sure, I'm not sure where in Hawaii that is, but it sounds scary. Yeah, MTG Vodka, like the, the Twitter hashtag MTG DKA. Like, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, MTG Vodka? Seriously? You're an alcoholic. Yes, so. I've been playing too much drinking game. I right. myself. Every time I giggle, I take a drink. And it makes me giggle, so I take a drink. Oh, man, I'm dead. I'm dead. Game over. <laughs> oh, there was also, uh, they also spoiled uh, Maelstrom Wanderer. Is that the guy's name? Yeah, the the super blood braid, the yo dog. I heard you like cascading, so I put a blood braid in your seven mana guy so you can cascade while I cascade. <laughs> I yo think dog, I, I heard you like cascades. <laughs> I think Kenny Mayer said he tried it in his cube. Uh-huh. And I think he said he got, his deck had the potential to go Maelstrom Wanderer, Worm Coil Avenger or something stupid like that, or I think Worm Coil another stupid six drop. I think it's Prime Titan. Okay. But he didn't get that, but he got, like, some really stupid draw, like, uh, I don't know, it's like a four-mana, like, insane value, like, Factor Fiction or something, and then, like, a Edge of Autumn, which does nothing, but that's fine. Like, seven mana, Cascade into Factor Fiction, or it was some kind of four-mana spell that had really good value, but I can't remember. I mean, yeah, I mean, let's face it, Cascade is... A really fun and potentially really abusive is not the right word, but just, I mean, if you've ever cast Bloodbraid Elf into Maelstrom Pulse or the Blightning or whatever, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's just like, man, this is just like a 3-2 haste for four is, you know, borderline constructed playable. And then, oh, wait, I get to just staple a free spell onto it. Okay. Yeah, like, uh, what was that, Viashino... Yeah, you know, Sandstalker was a 4-2 haste for 3, but you had to pick it up. There it was, was like, uh, uh, Volshock Berserker. Volshock Berserker was the one. Yeah. Volshock Berserker. I remember winning quite a few uh, drafts with that guy. It's like, oh, by the way, here he comes, Ferrar. Yeah, and it's like, oh, red-green. And I don't know, like, I don't have the room for the tricolor cards, but, man, that card looks like one. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and, you know, I think what a lot of people get caught up in, um, and, and I'm sure we do it too. Is get we get caught up a lot of times in trying to make things optimal, and then sometimes we forget. Sometimes it's at the expense of having fun. Yeah. 
so, you know, I can't really fault people that much for having, you know, cards they find fun, you know, in the cube necessarily. I mean, if people want to include that guy just to see what happens, I mean, who am I to disagree with that, you know? I mean, it seems I, out of the, it's I like cascading too, you know? That's why I played uh, Enigma Sphinx for a long time in the, uh, in the Esper spot, so. Yeah, I think somebody convinced me to do it, and then I think... I think it was even when Steelwind was around, and then I was like, wait, I'll just play Steelwind. Oh, wow, and that, oh, other thing, uh, the Graveborn set came out during that. Yes, yes, and all those people who needed, you know, who wanted foil uh, animate deads or foil Sphinx of the Steelwinds, I was just about to mention that, that I I still need to pick one up so I can get a foil Steelwind, because I'm still running Dromar's Charm, which I still like a lot, but... I, I wouldn't mind having the extra Tinker target. Oh, yeah, Steelwind is sick. Like, I, I mized a, uh, uh, whatever, Graveborn Terrasodon for a buck. Nice. Yeah, and I was like, okay, because I'm trying to get more green ramp in my cube, and I'm like, like, that guy, Terrasodon and Primus are, like, the big, like, the seven drop or eight drops. Seven drops, I'm just so sad. Like, a lot of the green seven drops just aren't very good. Like, compared to Battlesphere, it's like, come on. Like, you got Palaka Ormish is cool, but, like, and Hornet Queen is solid, but come on. Right, but both of those cards are worse than yeah, Battle Battlesphere, for example, which any color can cast. Yeah. Like, I'd like to see them take a step up on the green ramp targets and have something that's just, like, when it hits play, you go, oh, crap. Yeah, it's like uh, on Unlimited Resources, they use they talk about, like, the groan test, which is, like, your opponent plays a card, you just groan, <laughs> like, like, Drana. It's like the ultimate right. phone test. You're like, oh, God, what do I do? Or like Olivia, or even something that's kind of more innocuous, like, I don't know. Face fetters. I yeah. get all the time when people play face fetters, especially when you're an aggressive deck. They're like, you know, you're like, cough for you, go. They're like, face fetters, your cough, gain for. And it's like, yeah, just like, oh. <laughs> Uh, like, like take away, you know, part of a combat phase, you know, take away part of a combat phase plus take away a threat. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, rain. Yeah, so, yeah, just, I want a good seven drop for, my, for Cube that makes, that is drone test. And I, I tried Moldgraph, and, you know, we'll kind of get to it later, you know, because we're talking about a bunch of random stuff. But we'll kind of talk about that with, like, do you want me to just say it, like, kind of topics we'll talk about, or... Oh, we can just get to it. By the way, another card, I mean, granted, it's an 8-drop. I still think, to this day, people way underrate Rude Awakening as a ramp target. Now, granted, Rude Awakening is a, a a land ramp target, not just a mana ramp target, like some of the a lot of the other cards are. But I have there's probably not a single card in the cube I've lost to more and groaned when it's like, oh, I think the only card that can beat me now is, and they're like, Rude Awakening? I'm like, yep, that would be it. Yeah, it's like, boo. Boo hiss. Aw. So, and I think that's uh, something that people people have been ignoring for a while and people don't talk very very well about, so. It's like a, I don't know, member of the family or something, like the uncle or something. I don't know. <laughs> this is the wording. is like they don't talk about it. I guess it makes me think of like. Right. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I'm totally cutting that out in post. <laughs> of course, you say that now, and then everyone's going to wind up hearing it anyway. 
Yeah, I'll forget. All right, well, let's, I'll tell you what. You know, we haven't done it in a while. Let's do some crack-a-packs. Now that we both have Anistrad cards in our cube, let's uh, do some crack-a-packs and see what we can find. Nice. Are you, because uh, uh, we talked about it before the episode, where we're going to seed, like, an Anistrad card in the pack. Are you doing that? Or are you going to do that also, or? Yeah, I already, uh, I already went ahead and... Basically, what I did is I, I pulled the 15 cards out of my cube at random, and then what I did was I flipped through until I came across the first Innisrod card and randomly inserted it for and pulled out one of the other cards. As it turned out, the card I pulled out was an Innisrod card, too, so there was actually only one in the pack. Wow. That's so I, I know what one of the cards in my pack will be. Uh, who do you want to do first? you want to do yours or mine? Let's do yours first. All right. All right, well, let's get your uh, get your brains on and get your typing fingers ready, because here we go. Card number one. Tropical Island. Oh, nice. Like Tropical Island. Card number two, Yogmoth's Bargain. That's nice. Card number three, Fauna Shaman. Card number four... Sower of Temptation. Ooh, very nice. Card number five, Student of Warfare. Wow, lots of lots of good creatures. Nice pack so far. Yeah. <laughs> card number six, not the Innistrad card that I put in, Reckless Waif. Oh, wow. Card number seven, <laughs> Dark Confidant. Jeez. Nice pack. I'm going to guess... Wow. One of the remaining cards, I'm going to bet, is going to be a Titan. I don't know why. I feel like a Titan's coming up. This is card number eight. Psychotog. What? I, I swear to you, this is completely random, except for the card that we haven't seen yet. We're drafting Legions? <laughs> well, here we go. Here's the spell for you. Force of Will. Oh, Hello. Card number is this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Doran the Siege Tower. Oh, there we go. Doran of Siege Tower. That's out of a type. Doran of the Siege Tower. The next card is Sarah Avenger. Two uh two full art foils right in a row. Oh wow. So pretty. Oh and uh oh, snap, here we go. Uh on the on the In Contention podcast, mm-hmm. they're, they're talking about uh I think it's Cranny and and uh, Ruben, we're talking about how they drafted your cube, and they said it was, like, really pimp. Nice. Yep. So I guess shout-out to them. And, and that, Yeah, for sure. Now that I'm getting uh, now that I'm getting an iPod soon, hopefully I'll be able to actually keep up with other people's podcasts that I want to listen to. There you go. So, all right, card number 12. Here is the card that I found for my pack. Invitational card number two, Snapcaster Mage. Good God. Nice pack, right? Yeah, no kidding. Here we go. Next card, Master of the Wild Hunt. Huh. Followed by Raging Ravine. Wow. And finally... I'm going to guess it's going to be like a spell like... Go fish. It's another creature. Here. Not really. <laughs> it's a pouncing jaguar. Okay. Jeez. So, the most expensive creature in this pack is... Four mana. Four. Yeah. Wow. A faster and sower. Wow. We have two invitational cards. We have a... Uh, Dog bargains like the 
bastard stepchild in this totally. Well, yeah, Force of Will looks awful in this pack, too. I mean, Force of Will's not the best in Cube anyway, but, I mean, it's just like a total non-consideration at this point. Uh, well, I don't know about that. It just, it just seems to not fit. You know, it's like, here's a bunch of really efficient dudes and uh, Force of Will. And we have uh, potential. We have three creatures in here that could be argued as uh, possible best creature ever in Dark Confidant, Psychotog, and Snapcaster Mage. I think you have to start making an argument for Snapcaster Mage being in the pantheon of best creatures ever. Oh, yeah. We have a couple of really aggressive creatures. We have Student of Warfare, Reckless Wave, Pouncing Jaguar, which are all ones. We have two pretty good dual lands in Raging Ravine and Tropical Island. This yeah. is a nice pack. Wow. I think, my, for me, this pack pick is easy, but it's still a really good pack. I mean... For me, like, you know, th this is a tough pack. I mean, I because there are certain cards, I have definitely been swayed a lot, and we'll talk about Reckless Wave some later. The My estimation of that card has just gone way up, actually being able to play it some. Um, well, I don't know. If, it's, if you're, I mean, I, I, I'm looking at two different cards right now, and I'm curious to see what, what you're going to say. I will probably, if it was my pick, I'd probably just take the Dark Confidant, because I just really like Dark Confidant. That's true, yeah. But what is what is your pick? I, and I could also, I mean, I can make arguments for lots of these cards. Snap pick, Snapcaster. Yeah, and he's awesome, too. Yeah. But Dark Confidant's really close. Like Dark really great. I, you know, I, I can't possibly argue with Snapcaster. I mean, that's another one that, right, Snap pick Mage. Yeah. I mean, he's just completely awesome, but, like, you know, I mean, he, he, you know, I guess it requires you, you know, some work, and by some work, I mean, you actually have to draft a spell. Yeah. Oh, man, that's hard. <laughs> but, but like, Dark Confidant I really like is just a build-around card, and, uh, you know, Reckless Wave is the only red card in this pack. Yeah, that's true. And and Reckless Wave is just, ah, it's just been so good for us. Um, but, yeah, Dark Confidant, Snapcast Rage, what... what, what Actually, what I probably wind up doing with this pack is pulling those two cards out, putting them face down to someone at the table, and say, give me one of these cards. And yeah. then whichever one I get, that's the one I get. The reason why I think I take Snapcast over Dark Confidant is, like, Dark Confidant's, like, not the great. It, it's pretty bad in, like, more controly builds. Whereas I don't, I wouldn't mind a splashing, like, Snapcaster in a more aggressive, kind of, like, bad, let's say, red-white deck, which has a decent amount of spell-based removal, like sure, half, sure. half bolts, helix, whatever, and Snapcaster gets you more value out of that, which is really nice. And it's cheap. Like, two mana just fits perfect. And the body's not irrelevant either. Just go, like, turn four, after you've done whatever, just go, like, EOT, Snapcaster, helix, even if it's just helix, your face, whatever. I don't care. It's just a... Uh, yeah, Snapcaster... Actually, that doesn't really work. I was going to say Searing Blaze, but I guess you need a fetch land for that, but that's eh, fine. I'll, I'll put some work in for Searing Blaze. I mean, I mean, play my fourth land, Snapcaster, Flashback, Searing Blaze. Yeah. <laughs> my speaking is, uh, uh, whatever, Searing Blaze, you were telling me earlier about how you saw a Jackalbuck die, <laughs> die a very miserable death to a Searing Blaze. Oh, it sure did. Uh, take six? Yeah. <laughs> Awkward. Yes, yes, I will take six. Thank you. Yeah. Nice card. Uh, 
<laughs> nice a super bump in the night. Right. Bump, bump. <laughs> right. And kills a, one of your creatures. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, ugh. But yeah, I think either of the invitation, I think you can make a strong argument. I, I think you can make a strong argument for other cards in this pack, but I feel like you better have a r- awfully good reason not for it not to be Snapcaster or Dark Confidant. Yeah, uh, so are, like, so are in the pack, but I think Snapcaster is up better. Snapcaster is better for that color, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, bargain is neat, but you can probably get bargain on the loop if that's something that you want to be doing. Yeah, and Bob uh, is better as a as a black card too. Bob is better as a black card. Both of these creatures are better than any of the other creatures here than than Doran or Jaguar or you know. Uh, I, I mean, maybe if you're someone who likes to force mono red or mono white, then you can make an argument for a reckless way for student of warfare because both of those cards are are pretty significant in those archetypes. Yeah. Uh, for example, I was talking at the Invitational, I got a chance to uh, talk to Cedric Phillips some, and he's just like, yeah, I basically whenever I cube draft, I just auto-force White Weenie and just demolish people because people don't commit to the deck early enough. And yeah. I just jump head first and just take all the mon- you know, all of them as soon as possible and just obliterate people. So I could see Cedric or people who like doing that strategy to to just, you know, take student here. Um, I think uh, LSV usually forces mono-red when he does cube, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, also fine. You know, yeah. also, uh, you know, works out usually pretty well unless, you know, people in front of you are doing the same thing, so. Yeah, then that's pretty awkward. I don't know. I, this is invitationalcard.pack. Let's, uh, let's go to yours. I was going to say, uh, question about this pack. Do you think Fauna Shaman or Master of the Wild Hunt is the better green card? Um, personally, I like Master of the Wild Hunt better. Um... But I could definitely. I, I think Fauna Shaman is is an interactive type card. I think it's a good arc. Like if you have a uh, a tempo deck, a toolbox deck, something like of that nature, where you're going to want to be searching for creatures, um, or let's say you have you know Keswick Cage Breaker, Survival of the Fittest, you know recurring nightmare, reanimation stuff. I, I think I think Fauna Shaman fits specific roles better. But I think as a general green card. If you just want a green creature, I feel like Master of the Wild Hunt is just so fine sick. on its fine on its better when it's just on its own. I, I don't find myself drafting and using Fauna Shaman when I'm an aggressive deck necessarily, um, because I want to just be casting my creatures and like attacking. Yeah. Um, like you want your two drops to be like Porcelain Legionnaire stuff like that rather than. A two-power guy. Right, and I mean, and while the 2-2 two, two for two is fine, that you can get some value with it later on, you know, you can trade in your awful guys for, for better guys, I just would rather, I feel like I would just rather be taking the better guys from the jump. And and, and all of the, we, we found all of the uh, army and a can cards, like Master of the Wild Hunt, that can just, you know, dominate a game on its own without any help. Yeah, the same thing was pretty good, yeah. Good. Yeah. You did not make the joke about me asking for stuff about green cards. I'm disappointed. Oh, I'm sorry. Losing your ass. You're, you're not Mexican. How am I supposed to make that joke? I'm still brown. We still get green cards. I mean, right. But, I mean, if, if it were, like, terrorist of the Wild Hunt, then I would have made a joke. <laughs> oh, okay. Or, like, engineer explosives or whatever. Right, right, right. Terrorist, you know, master of the wild explosives. <laughs> master of the wild. With him having like the the bandana and instead of the the 
elk whatever thing that he has. Right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do a segue between that and my pack, but... But here we go. But pretend I said a, a, a witty and clever one. <laughs> Speaking of terrorists, here's Usman's pack. Oh, God. So I open the pack and there's a soul ring. That's, no, sorry. Oh, ship it. Come on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, let's see. Uh, Alright, you read I, and I'll type. And then right as I did that, I say Mox, and then it mocks Sapphire, so no. Okay. Enlightened Tutor. You type, by the way. That's what I just said. Okay. <laughs> this makes me feel important. Sakura yeah. Tri- Tri-Builder. Stormblood Berserker with the Eric Klug. He, he drew stuff on it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he drew, like, I Heart Bashing. I'm like, oh, man, nice. I'm, yeah, I was like, I was like, can you sign, like, a card for my cube? And I'm like, yeah, and then he, he painted, like, I Heart Bashing on it. And I for free. I like, do that at the invitation line. I didn't get a chance to talk to Eric a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, he's, he's good people. Yeah, he is. That's yep. awesome. Yep. Uh, Goblin Welder. Ooh. Yep, pretty spicy. Uh, Bone Shredder. Bone Shredder. With the Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Scalding Tarn. Pernicious Deed. Ooh. Nevenural's Disc. Wow, they're, those two kind of similar cards back to back. Yeah. Eight and a half tails. Ooh, eight point five tails. Yeah. And another card that's kind of similar, Cloistered Youth. Oh, okay. Yeah, go figure. Oh, uh, Polluted Delta. Oh, wow. Yep. And this was the seeded uh, Innistrad card, Machaeus the Lunark. Oh, okay. Stoneforge Mystic, but no Batter Skull. Spoiler. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, there's two uh, two cards left. A Grim Monolith Ooh. and a new card that I'm trying, uh, Entomb. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, there we go. Well, we got some nice ones here for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean... I, I, think, I, I think I might... I don't know. Maybe just when I'm being lazy, I might feel like snap-picking Stoneforge, but I don't know. I mean, I'm taking Stoneforge Mystic, let's be honest. I don't think, well, obviously you're taking it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty, yeah. I'm fine with that. Alternatively, um, I, I would be looking at the, the Sacklands and probably Grim Monolith. Yeah, Grim Monolith's pretty spicy in this pack. I mean, I don't get to play fast manas in my cube, so I don't, you know, I like taking the opportunity when it presents itself with other people's. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, question between the two Innistrad cards, Cloistered Youth and Micaeus, which would you okay. take higher? Um, pack, pick one, pack one, like right now? Uh, let's say, let's say opening pack, and then like say if you're white, red, aggro, and you don't remember what's in your deck because you're, I don't know, you're like me and you're probably half paying attention and texting people. Well, here's the here's the thing, and, I, and I've been trying to think a little bit more about this, uh, about Cloistered Youth, and unfortunately I haven't actually had a chance to play with it yet. Uh, the one time I... The, the last time I drafted it, uh, I started out as a, uh, a Boros combination, a white-red deck, and by the end of the draft, I realized that I actually just had, like, 26 or 27 red awesome playables. 
So I just cut the white out of my deck completely. Are you a mono red? Uh, and I just went mono red. Is that uh, when? Is that the draft that you had? With, yeah, that's the with? the draft where uh, reckless our uh, uh, reckless wave just did about an average of you know twelve points a game. <laughs> Card was just insane. Like every single time, it was it was it was a grown card. I was I'd be like you know turn one reckless wave, and they're like, ah, land go, and it's like, <laughs> party on, Jeez. and uh, commence the beat down. So take, take three, take three more, three, three more. They're like, I'll oh, play guy to kill it. Three yeah, more. yeah. <laughs> three more. Was that the same draft with the uh, searing blades on the jackal pup? No, 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 it was not. It was Aww. not the same draft. Aww. But it was, uh, yeah, that card was a vicious beating, because uh, as it turned out, I was the only aggressive deck in that draft. Once they just clean up. And literally just smashed people. I actually wound up playing everybody else at the table, including my own team, just so I could 5-0 everybody else. Wow. <laughs> it was just like one of those, I'm like, all right, I've beaten the other team. It's time to, you know, get my own team. All right, come get some. Yeah. Who, who was get, on your team? Come get some. Come taste the reckless wave. Here we go. Was uh, was Kenny Mayer in that draft? No, no. This was uh, uh, I, I don't believe so. This was um, a local draft that we okay. did. I think. Um, and I think Adam was in town at the time. I think it was we might have one of the times when we cubed when Adam was in town, uh, pre-invitational. He nice. kind of visited the weekend after uh, weekend after Thanksgiving, and we got some gaming in, and yeah, I got to. It might have been that draft. I don't remember. It was sometime or it was sometime around Thanksgiving or whatever, and it was, whew, yeah, it was a vicious beating. <laughs> Jeez, vicious, vicious beating. And yeah, but to answer your question, um, if I if I'm white red aggro, and I just need and I need aggressive dudes, and I'm probably taking closer youth. But if I'm just, you know, maybe pick one, pack one, I'm probably taking the Chaos to Lunark. Um, especially if you're in a cube that supports a token theme, because obviously Micaeus plus tokens is... Whew. Oh, yeah, that's just sick. And and I feel like Micaeus can open you, leave you open to a few more uh, possible decks. Because, you know, even if you're an aggressive, if you wind up as just like, you know, baseline aggressive deck... Um, he just, you know, he just plays the role of, you know, a, a one turn slower, a Johnny Goldmain. Yeah, and even even it's playing so on good. even playing on turn two is not bad either. It's just like, yep, charge him up. Okay, charge him down. Let's kill you now. Right, right, right. Or you know, if you you know, or have one of those situations where you know, just late in the game, you draw him, and you're just like, oh, by the way, here's a six six. Like, yeah, yeah just here, deal with my deal with my five five, whatever, guy or six six, deal. This guy. Although the sad yeah, thing is, like Stoneforge, you know, even though I don't have the love for the card as you do, I still think it outshines the other two white cards. And even I think E-Tutor, I think Stoneforge is probably better. That yeah, E-Tutor is nice, but you know, it's no Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm willing to gamble. You know, we've all learned the lesson now how awesome equipment is, and yeah. I'm willing to wager that I'm going to see a couple pieces of it as we go around. So, yeah, even if it's something like Bone Splitter or something, that's fine. Yeah, I like mean, Random Sword, Bone Splitter, a you know a uh, Grafted War Gear. 
man, like any of those. I mean, the card just, you know, has, you know, once again, like like the earlier aforementioned, you know, Bloodbraid Elf, where you just have, like, a free card stapled to it. Same thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, by the way, here's a uh, here's a Graft of War gear. Right, exactly. Sure. Or, um, you know, uh, a Skull Clamp, Thurf. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's a... Uh, you know, it's, so I, I like it. That's, you know, that's not my pick. So what is what is your pick? Uh... Don't get me wrong, I love me in 8.5 Tails, too. But I will, if I Stoneforge Mystic, I would probably plan on getting 8.5 Tails on the loop. Probably. I could see that wheeling. Uh, I'd probably maybe take Grim on with, but if I were to be in an actual draft, I might take the Entomb just so I could get some more info on it. Like, right. That's, and that's the way I feel like the earlier pack, um, I, I might have taken an Innistrad card. Yeah, I might have taken the Reckless Wave or taken something else just to, to get more testing info or whatever on it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there was a better Innistrad card just in that pack anyway. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I need some testing information on Snapcaster Mage, so I'm going to take it. Yeah. need to make sure it deserves to stay in cube. Did I, ever, I think I told the story on the podcast about the first time I saw Snapcaster Mage in cube. What the Ancestral Recall, did I t- say, talk about oh, that? Oh, yeah, time? yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that was, that was hilarious. I'm like, drew six cards. Died to a troll aesthetic anyway. It's like with those image macros where they have like some picture and it's just like first sentence, sentence, sentence where it'd be like, drew six cards, died to troll aesthetic. Right, right, right. Uh, it's like, oops, you died. But I don't know, like, I, I guess it's a, a kind of a soapbox, but I don't know if I, it'd be probably, eh, whatever. I won't go too much on it, but I just find that people sometimes get scared of trying new cards when they're in cube. Like, they just want to try the old reliable card. Right. I remember, like, the first time I put Woodfall Primus on my cube, it went, like, 15th pick because no, people are too scared to try it. I'm like, oh, this card's new. I don't want to try it. And it's like, nothing's on the line. Why are you scared about it? Like, right, right, right. And that's, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, not to interrupt. Oh, keep yeah. Oh, no. I haven't Betsy. But uh, at, the, uh, at the Invitational, you know, I got a, a chance to cube with a good friend of mine, Matt Scott, uh, who's part of, you know, like the Kenny Mayer uh, area group, you know, Virginia player, awesome guy, loves the cube. Um, and he asked me before we had drafted and he said, you know, are we playing for anything? And I, and I was just like, Oh no, like playing for pride. Like, because I, I don't like, even though I could definitely understand, you know, there's, there's definitely a gamer mentality of always having to have something be at stake. You know, even if it's like a $5 bill or excuse me, five pride points. Oh yeah. Um, you know, just having something on the line or a draft set or something like that. Well, I do understand that to a point. With the cube, I want people to be unafraid to try new things. I don't want people to be punished for, hey, you know what? I've never drafted this kind of deck before. I kind of want to try it. Hey, you know what? I, I wonder if this new card, you know, I wonder how good this is, so I want to draft them. Or, hey, I don't know if I've ever seen someone draft this before. I'm going to try it. Do you know what I mean? I want people to yeah. do that without having fear of losing something. Yeah, and... Other than, you know, stupid games of magic. Yeah, it's like, oh no, I, I went 1-2 in, in my cube match. Like, I like I think I posted on it on Twitter. I said, you know, one of these days, I want to draft an all-creature deck in cube and see how it is. And I think I ended up trying to make it from a sealed pool, and it was just like this bad, dirty, white-green kind of mid-range that didn't go anywhere. But, hey, I tried it, uh-huh. you know. If I was too scared to try to, like, eh, 
man, I really wish I did it and never did it. Who cares? Nothing's on the line. Like, I just... Now here's... <laughs> exactly. Now, here's the question. Have you drafted the creature list stack yet? I can't say I have. New achievements. I'm going to try it next. Yeah, I'm the creature it. list stack, it works really well when you have cards like Door to Nothingness in your cube because you actually have a way oh, to kill yeah. people. I was going to say Planeswalkers are fine. Uh, planeswalkers, um, lands, the turn in the creatures, you know, man yeah. lands, work well. Um, you know, if you're, you know, Cranny recently mentioned how good Soren's Vengeance has been for him. Yeah, and I, I, I was actually just thinking about that. I'm like, man, I want that card to be good. I don't have room for it, but I want it, I want, I want it to be good. You know, uh. Or you can make a bad fake Soren and put Soren's Vengeance on it. Uh, you just, you just Soren them and then kick your Urza's Rage. There we go. Soren you. Urza's Rage. Or EOT, EOT Sor, uh, Urza's Rage with Kicker, and then uh, main phase Soren's Vengeance you. Right. Because otherwise Thank they have a, they have a, yeah, they have a turn, they're like, what the, what is this? Right, what is going on? I'm confused. Yeah. That sounds like I, a great Dark Confidant deck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take, how much does Soren's Vengeance cost? Seven? Seven, yeah. Take seven. By the way, also have flipped many a Garganon and many a hit run to uh, Dark Confidant and still won most of those games. So oh, yeah. don't be afraid. That's my advice. Don't be afraid of Dark Confidant, people. Yeah, just awesome. don't, be, don't be afraid in general. I guess it's awesome. That, that's just a crack of packs lesson. Don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Uh, don't but be yeah, scared. I guess I don't even know what I said. Did I say I would take Grimonolith? Or oh, no, I said I'd take Entomb. Okay, sure. Let's go. No, you said you would take Entomb. Yeah. If it were, if there were nothing on the line, and then I rudely interrupted you and talked about something on the line. Oh right. If there was, if there was like Pro Tour Cube or whatever, I'd probably take Grim Monolith. Be safe. Yeah, Grim Monolith is awesome. I, I mean, like I said, Grim Monolith is awesome. But you know, I would probably Stoneforge Mystic and look to wheel the eight point five tails and probably wind up in some sort of, you know, white weenie aggressive thing. Yeah, beat beat face things. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> because I also, you know, I, I value 8.5 tails very, you know, pretty highly. And I'm not taking them over Stoneforge Mystic, obviously. Oh, yeah, Stoneforge is ridiculous. But, there, you know, there are three other white cards in this pack that I'd probably be pretty happy having in my white aggressive deck. So I think taking the best one here is, is, a fine, is a fine pick to set us up for later picks. Yeah. As well. That works. Cool. All righty. So I guess we're, I don't know how long we've been in on this episode. We haven't even started. Like the, the, the Skype call has been for 47, 57 minutes. All right. Well, so it's probably more like 45 or so. Oh, yeah. We talked a little bit beforehand. But let's, uh, you know, we were talking about trying to find suggestions for things to talk about. And uh, Norbert88, of which I'm sure many of you guys know if you've, Access the internet and you know and you play magic. <laughs> also, also has really good taste in music. Like there was this band I was actually going to use for the intro for the third power. Like this band called Animals as Leaders. This really amazing like instrumental progressive metal band. And like I was like, man, I, I want to get some more music. He's like, have you heard of Animals as Leaders? I'm like, no. Who? And then he showed me to, and I just my jaw dropped. And I actually was able to see them live. And it was just amazing. And he's also a Penn State grad, so 
That's okay, always good times too. So, uh, so, so major, major shout out to uh, Norbert. Even even though he's probably going to want me dead because I took Thieving Magpie out of my cube. Yeah, he, that card sucks. Get it out. I, don't, I wouldn't say it sucks, but I'm just trying my cube without it. It's it is it is. I, I, obviously, the card doesn't suck, but it's in comparison to all the other cards in the cube now. I think we've hit a point where. It, you really got to be something special to be a uh, four drop. We know, right? Exactly. Uh, I mean, it's a four drop uh, Ophidian. You know, like it, it takes a lot. You know, the only Ophidians I think that are still in my cube are three drops. Yeah, both, I was of, say, uh, both of which have significant evasion. You know, one of which being Death Touch. Yeah, I was going to say Orn Viper. Right. Viper? Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. Okay. Placing your windows. I mean, I've considered taking it out, actually, because just because it, it is unimpressive. But then, like, whenever I think about taking it out, I have to play against it. Uh. So it's like, turn to Viper, and I'm just like, <sighs> if I don't have just, like, the lightning bolt right there for it, and by lightning bolt, I mean thing that does three damage. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, uh, this thing is just going to grind me out because I can't block with my two drops. Like, well, with my two power guys, or I'm just going to die. Like, I guess if I have two of them, but one of them can't block, and uh, this thing is going to grind me out. Yeah. I think I was originally going to think of taking Orn Viper out of my cube, and then I ended up expanding it, and now, I, now I'm okay, room-wise. Yeah, and he's, he's also a very, not that creatures aren't, but he is a, he is in, I, I think, the upper echelon of equipment wearers. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he is a damned if you do, damned if you don't blocking type card. You know point. what? You know what? You know what insane guy with equipment that I haven't been able to get in cube yet? Like combination? Okay. Thornling. Oh, good lord. Yeah. I haven't been able to get that happen yet. Like, okay, feast and famine. Oh, wow. <laughs> Tramp and trample. Jeez. Right. Yeah, the the any sort of you know pants plus like the morphling ability, and it works for either one. By the way, where you can like pump, you can pump the you know the power at the expense of toughness. It's just like basically you know the swords become plus four to power. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yikes. (laughs) Anyway, uh, aside, uh, so Norbert was talking about like card sleeves and stuff like that. He was like. Have you talked about, like, sleeving options and things like that? And I sounded like, we haven't. That's brilliant. We definitely have not. Now, there is a, a, a relatively large thread over on MTG Salvation about it, where, you know, lots of people have expressed their opinions and talked about sleeving and, and different things that have come up. Um, but, we can, but we've can. we not broached the subject at all on the, uh, on the podcast, so absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're at almost the quarter century mark. Right. Oh man, almost. Yeah, it can. It can. Uh, it can almost get car insurance cheaper. Right. It can almost rent really nice cars. Yeah. And my article series. I think I wrote my twenty-first one for Star City not too long ago. So my Star City articles can get drunk legally. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So if they listen to the podcast, they're uh, oh, they're wow. good. Yeah, they're dead. They're just dead. Game over. But they can do it legally, of course. Nice. And uh, there's some other ideas, like uh, Innistrad flops, like swaps and flops or whatever. Flops and awesomes? 
Okay, sure. We can go with that. Yeah, I didn't think I, I couldn't think of anything that rhymed with flop that would be awesome. Pop? I guess pops, pops, pops? Flops and flops? I don't know. Well that would be the same thing though, a slop and a flop. Oh. What would be the, the good end of it? Would it be a pop and a slop? Pop, yeah, pop pop and flop. Pop and flop? Yeah. I, I'm sure there's something really obvious that people are gonna point out in comments like, hey you idiots, it's actually this and flop. But I don't know. Watch, uh, did you ever watch the show Mr. Show? With uh, David Cross and uh, Bob Odenkirk? Go Fish. Okay. It's an amazing sketch comedy. Probably the best sketch comedy since it's Monty Python, and I'm not exaggerating. But they had this one kind of, like, like parody of, like, investigative reporting. It was, like, and it had this kind of, like, scams and flams, and it was, like, this stupid little cheesy intro. But, yeah, that's, that's what we made me think of. I don't know. Never mind. I'm just on a tangent today. Oh, okay. Hey, sure. I mean, that's what the show's about, right? Yeah. All yeah. Yeah. In a sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's let's talk about sleeves. Some. We'll we'll get to some Innistrad stuff later. Um, we'll we'll see how we're doing on time. We'll maybe we'll introduce more topics as we get there. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you use for sleeves? I used to use uh, regular Ultra Pros. I remember getting them around 2000, like late 2008, like a local store was having some kind of sale to go with like the election. Like if you uh, showed them your sticker that you voted, you got like a discount. And I was like, man, I need cube sleeves. Let's do this. <laughs> so, so like I got a ton of Ultra Pros and they lasted, I think about a year. And then they just okay. started breaking like crazy. They were just awful. I remember every time, every cube session, we'd have like maybe three or five of those stupid things just break. It's like, wow. yep, another one's broken. Let's uh, go to the basic land, take out a, take out a mountain or whatever, or whatever right, right. basic land. And so, I eventually ported those over to my common cube since people are terrible and don't like drafting it as much. So, but eventually I went from the Ultra Pros to a KMC matte black sleeves. Okay. And those have been solid. Like, their corners, the only thing I don't like about those, and I think I've heard it from other people, is they can kind of, like, have dinged corners. Like, they can get kind of dinged and kind of, like, dent in and whatever, but for the most part, they've been awesome. Yeah, that's uh, actually what I'm, what I'm currently using on my cube is uh, our KMC Matte Blues. Oh, uh, nice. I've had these on for, I've probably had this set on for about, you know, with, with random replacements occasionally when, when you have a blowout. But I've probably had this set of KMC Blues on for about two or three years. Wow. Um, they've, they've lasted quite a while. Um, and, I, and I double sleeve as well. You know, I use the uh, inner sleeves, the perfect fits. Um, I'll get to more of that in a second. But as far as outer sleeves go, um, I also, for a while, I used uh, the Ultra Pros, but the Japanese Ultra Pros. They were like the lightish, the bright blue Japanese Ultra Pros. And I had those on forever. Um, and it was just a matter of buying a pack every, you know, buying a new pack of them, you know, every six months or whatever to just have some extra sleeves to add new cards or to change them. But those Japanese Ultra Pros lasted a really long time. I actually didn't switch over to these matte these uh, matte blues until I'm trying to remember what event it was it was maybe it was the Pro Tour Austin where you know I, I usually when I'm looking to replace sleeves I'll, I'll go to a big event and approach a dealer and just say hey I want to purchase a bunch of these what's the best price you can give me 
Oh, nice. That's a good idea. Um, like, hey, I need to purchase, you know, 800 sleeves or whatever it is so I can, you know, sleeve my cubes, sleeve my lands, and have extras or 700 sleeves. You know, what kind of price can you give me if I buy nine packs of these? Because, you know, I don't want to pay $9 each. And usually they can cut you, you know, a pretty good deal um, if you travel to large events. Otherwise, you can probably find them online. Uh, but that's usually what I do is just approach them and just like, hey, you know, what do I have to do? But I've been pretty impressed with these matte blue sleeves. Um, some of the other sleeves, like I think uh, Ultra Pro makes a matte sleeve. Um, I stay away from those because I found that the back of them mark fairly easily when you hold them at an angle in the light. Oh. Um, I remember funny. buying a pack of Ultra Pros, the matte sleeves, thinking they would hold up better because, you know, those are a little scratchier. But literally after halfway through a PTQ, you could tell my main deck cards from my sideboard cards very, very easily because of the marks on the back that they were wow. worn looking. You couldn't tell just by looking at them, but if you held them in the light where you can see, like, the reflection of how light plays off of it, they were super easy to tell. Jeez. So I never bought those again. Uh, well, I've heard very good things, too, about Dragon Shields. Um, now, while I've never personally bought them, uh, because at least the, when I first tried Dragon Shields, I don't know how long this was ago, easily five to seven years ago, um, they were having lots of quality control issues. So you, you'd buy a box, and I don't know, at the time there were boxes of 100 or whatever they were, but you would only get between 75 and 85 playable sleeves uh, because a lot of other ones were miscut or missealed. So basically, for example, you'd get a sleeve that was open at the top and the bottom. What? So wow. You would, you would put the sleeve, you know, you'd put the card in the sleeve and it would slip. If it didn't slip right through the bottom, you know how something, you know, you, you, know you put a card in a sleeve and then you use it and you push it down to the bottom of the sleeve to make sure it's tucked all the way in. Yeah they were miscut enough that you'd tuck it in and it would break right through the bottom of the sleeve. Jeez. Quality. Now, from my understanding, what I've heard is that their their quality control has improved significantly. That's um, the The biggest issue I have with Dragon Shields is that they're more expensive than the rest. And while that's fine if you're, you know, maybe purchasing for your 100 card, for your 75 card deck, when you have to sleeve your... 400 to 500 card deck plus a bunch of lands gets all pricey. Yeah, like, uh... Once again, you could probably make a deal for them, but... Yeah, I was going to ask, when you make a deal, like, say, how much of a discount would you usually get? Like, say, if they retailed for, I don't know, eight? Would you say that's about right for the... Yeah, yeah. most of the time when you go to events, they sell sleeves for, like, eight bucks for a pack of them. And I'm like, hey, I'm looking to buy... You know, let's say they're, what, sold in packs of 80 now instead of 100. They used to be 100. Um, If they're packs of 80 now, let's say, and I needed 540 plus another 3571. Was it 3 divided by 80? Yeah, I I would need, you know, uh, well, I was trying to think of how many I would buy. Let's say I need to buy 720 sleeves or whatever. Okay. So, So I would have to buy nine packs of sleeves, and they were eight each. So if it was 72, um a lot of times I could get them to do it for a uh, dollar off per package of sleeves easily. Wow. Like, you know, knock it down to seven per instead of eight per. Um, sometimes I've gotten it even lower than that. Um, a lot of times at the what I'll do is I'll wait until the end of a convention or the end of whatever the event is, 
and buy things then because dealers a lot of times are more willing to uh, cut you deals so they don't have to transport things back. Oh, yeah, because transportation costs. And it's just like, hey, I'll buy a bunch of these. You know, it's the last day. You know, you may find people that didn't have a very good selling weekend. And it's like, hey, man, I'll buy a bunch of these if you cut me a deal. But you can easily get a dollar off per. And uh, other times I've done even better than that. Because what I've done is I've just, if there's multiple dealers, I'll just go down the line. So say, hey, I want to buy, you know, I want to buy nine packs of these. What's the best price you can give me? And they'll say, you know, 65. Okay. Hey, what's the best price you can give me on these? And he'll be like, oh, you know, you know, I can, I, you know, I, I can't give you a deal on those. And I'll say, oh, okay, and go to the next one. And they'll say, well, well, wait, well, what did, you know, what did this person say? I'll say, oh, they said 65. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I can do, you know, I can do, you know, 62. And they go down the next line and be like, hey, what can you do, you know, do on these? And just, you know, just ask. You know, you don't, you don't know until you ask. Yeah. The worst thing they're going to say is, no, I'm not going to give you a discount. And then you're, I mean, you're in the same place as when you started. So who cares? Yeah. I mean, you know, you go down to the next one and, and ask. I mean, it's like we and, said and earlier. A lot of times they will compete with each other and say, "Oh, well, what did they offer them to you for?" Because you know they know what their margins are uh, as far as profit margin and, and moving product. And you know, a lot of times that's just you know the thing about it is, especially with magic related merchandise. I don't know if this applies to singles or not. I mean, I know that it applies to singles, rather, but I don't know if it applies to sleeves, is that you just have to move volume. The margin isn't necessarily as important as just moving stock. Hmm. Because it's more important that you have fluid stock, that you're selling stuff and making money. Obviously, you're not selling things at a loss or to break even, but it's more important that you're just moving more product. Because, I mean, the alternative is, okay, well, I can sell three of these packages of sleeves for full price, or I can move nine of them right now for a discounted price. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, people are, are very willing to do that. But I, I think a dollar off per pack is a very reasonable expectation. At least it has been for me. Hmm. So. Have you heard from other people, like, have they said... Like these sleeves are good. Like I've heard, I've heard generally good things about dragon sleep shields, but I don't know anybody who actually uses them. You know, um, like I, I know. I think some of the Euro cubes use them. Um, if my memory serves me correctly, the people I've talked to use them. I know a lot of people who use them for their uh, constructed decks. I know uh, vintage players in particular. A, a lot of the vintage players I knew uh, over the years use exclusively dragon shields. Wow. Uh, because apparently they're very, very durable um, and hold up very, very well, and you won't have any splitting mishaps. Oh, wow. That would damage the side of your cards. Now, granted, this was pre-Perfect uh, Fits. So. Speaking of Perfect Fits, the line. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> I, uh, once again, just like the Type 4 thing, I, uh, I, uh, was responsible for uh, perfect fits here in this country of uh, breaking the the barrier. And and all the cubes you see in the U.S. or the vintage cards you see in the U.S. with perfect fits, uh, it's because of me. Do go on, on, sir. So, uh, right, you know, it's like, what what do you mean you did this? Well, what happened was is uh, for a while, uh, this was, uh, it was Pro Tour San Diego, uh, this is the Sliver Kid Pro Tour. So this is, you know, the one that Jacob Van Loon uh, won. 
And while I was there, I was trading with this Japanese trader who had just a giant suitcase of cards, literally had like a a rolling suitcase full of cards. And uh, this was when I made one of my first big acquisitions. It was, you know, made a lot of really big acquisitions for uh, cube cards, foil cube cards. And, you know, I was able to, and he wanted everything I had that was older than, you know, older than when they started selling Japanese cards. Like, I had a Tabernacle at the time. I had some other stuff. And at the time, Tabernacle wasn't worth a billion dollars like it is now. Yeah, isn't it like um, 250 or something now? Yeah, it's something absurd. Jeez. Multiple hundreds of dollars. Um, at the time, it was like, you know, an $85 card or whatever it was. Uh, so anyway, he was interested in that, so I just made a huge trade, and he just had infinite, you know, f- like foil Japanese cards. This is where I got, this is the guy who I got my foil Japanese treachery from. Oh, that's wow. Kind of, no, in particular, that's, that's who I got that from. I got a bunch of other stuff from him, too, but so, I, uh, I know uh, that's uh, foil Jap treachery. Random, random little aside, they talked about this on the, on the In Contention podcast. Guess how much a foil Japanese Zer the Enchanter is? Oh, my God. Uh... Six hundred. Oh, uh, I think they said like two fifty. Oh, still, still, that's uh, pretty pricey. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. I was purposely going high. <laughs> yeah, just super highballing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, all that stuff. Yeah, Zerdy. I mean, what's a you know like a foil Japanese? Uh, what's the red blue one? Oh, uh, Joira. Yeah, Joira. Uh, I don't know, Infi. Yeah, like. <laughs> Yes, casual players unite. Jeez. But, yeah, I mean, 250, that's so insane. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, like, more than, like, you know, foil Japanese Jace or whatever. Yeah. Or not quite full more. I guess foil Jap Jace is, like, 350 or something like that, but. Yeah. Anyway. So, you know, I'm trading with him. Well, what I noticed is that all his cards were in penny sleeves, except for that the penny sleeves fit tight to the side of the cards. And, you know, so I traded them on. I took them with me. I'm like, man, these are awesome. These would work perfect to put inside other sleeves. Well, I, I went online, and, you know, at the time, the the it was the Star City Pimp Forum. Like, what's the pimp card you've seen? It was like a, a thread in the vintage area for what's the most pimp card you've ever seen. And that was kind of where everybody went to to post their awesome cards. And I went on there, and I said, hey, has anybody ever seen these? They're, you know, they're, they're like penny sleeves, but they fit perfectly to the side of the card. And I had a few people basically, you know, in the true spirit of the Internet, call me a liar and that such a thing doesn't exist and, like, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, oh, and by the way, that foil standfill you posted must be a fake because ah. it's like it's a gold symbol and it was an uncommon, you know, you know the Internet, et cetera. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I was just like, man, you know, I, I – I guess they don't exist. Like, maybe, I don't, you know, I couldn't imagine, like, what was going on. Because I didn't have any of them. You know, he took the, you know, he took the sleeves back when I traded him the cards. Oh. And I gave him the sleeves back. So I didn't have any as, as, like, physical proof. So, you know, I don't know how much time it passed. Maybe a year or two. Um, and I got in contact with, uh, over Magic Online Trading League, uh, with a, a nice gentleman named Michael French, who does a lot of trading there. And he's a, an American living in Japan. And I decided to trade for some of his Portal Three Kingdoms cards and some Japanese foils that he had. I remember getting my my Rolling Earthquake from him and some other stuff. And and while I asked him, I said, "Hey, um, in our email communication, um, is, are there uh, 
tell me something over there. Are there these um, sleeves that fit exactly to the side? You know, they look like penny sleeves, but they they're perfect. You know, they they fit on there exactly. And I looked online and couldn't find anything. And he said, yes, there are. They actually call them, you know, perfect fits or whatever. Like, let me see how much they are at the store. Well, he wound up coming back, um, and he said, oh, you know, they're only, you know, 250 or $3 for $100. You know, would you like any of them? Um, and I was like, well, sure. Like, I'm going to, you know, how, let's, let me think of how many I would need for my cube, plus, like, more for that for Type 1 decks or whatever. So I wound up ordering just, like, a ton. I don't know, maybe like three thousand of them. Whoa, yeah. I was thinking one thousand. Yeah. So like thirty packs of them. Yeah. Well, you know, because I'm like, well, I need at least you know five hundred for my cube, and then you know a bunch of extra packs because I think these are awesome, and I think I'm going to be able to you know sell these on eBay or sell them to friends of mine or you know because these are awesome. So I went ahead and I you know I, I got a bunch and you know traded them a bunch of cards for them and got all these sleeves, and actually it was kind of funny when he sent them to me. They were actually in a plastic bin. Like these little like plastic organizer bins. That's actually what he sent all my stuff in. What? It was like in a plastic organizer bin inside of a box. Huh. And I still had that little plastic organizer. Kind of funny. But anyway, uh, so he sent them all to me, and I'm like, oh, these are awesome. So I put a post on uh, Star City saying, hey, by the way, I found these. They're real. You know, f all of you, basically. <laughs> um, and here's here's how awesome they are. And I and I posted a bunch of pictures, and that post still gets referenced a lot in talking about sleeves. And I'll I'll include a link to it uh, in the in the show notes. Sweet. And then uh, you know, kind of showing how to sleeve it, showing what to do, showing the thickness difference, talking about them. And then what I did was I was like, oh, you know what? Like, and people were just like, oh, those are awesome. Like, and I was having people uh, private message me asking me if I had any extras that I could sell them, um, and. And so I put some packs on eBay. Usman, they were selling for forty or fifty dollars each. And you got them for three. Plus and I got them for three dollars each. Jeez. And it wasn't even cash three dollars; it was trade three dollars. Wow. Um. And wow. and I was getting like thirty, forty, fifty dollars a pack for them. So I kept jamming them online. I'm just like, hey man, I'm gonna get people are gonna buy them for this price. I'm gonna keep selling them for this price. And I called a dealer friend of mine in Phoenix who asked me about them. And he's like, hey, like, I see that those things are blowing up on eBay. Like, you know, like, I want to sell them, too. Like, how much do you think I should charge? And he had sold, like, a case worth for, like, $20 a pack. And so, I mean, I made hundreds of dollars on it because then I was selling them to people who are private messaging me, too. Like, hey, can you, you know, hey, I saw they're selling for this much on eBay or whatever. Is that you? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, hey, man, I get, can I buy them just off you right now for, like, $25 a pack? I'm like, absolutely. PayPal me, and they're on their way. You know, wow. it's like, oh, it's insane. Uh, soon afterwards, within a week, Star City had them and put them on their front page, and they were selling them for $15, $20 a pack. Wow. And, you know, within a month... The entire, like, cube community, vintage community, all had perfect fits on their decks and all their sleeves. And it's all thanks to this guy right here. Wow. That, that deserves a round of applause. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, that sounds more like a slow clap. but I, I, I may not have won anything significant ever, <laughs> but I, I have made, you know, I, I feel comfortable in my knowledge that I've contributed positively to the, the magic community at large. So... So yeah, that that's my uh, perfect fit story. So you know, got to you know, got to make quite a bit of money and and help out a bunch of people and basically change the way people 
were protecting their cards here in this country. Because, I mean, it blew up. I mean, I can't tell you how many I sold. I mean, I, and I still have some left, but I literally sold all the surplus that I had. Wow. I mean, I, I did not have any left. Um, you know, I think I have one pack left. But the great thing about them is, you guys, and this is why you should all buy them, one, they're not very expensive anymore. Um, I'm going to look here online real quickly to give you an idea. But, you know, and I think they still come 100 to a pack. Um, so... Is it kind of like those stand-up jokes where they talk about, like, the hot dogs and the buns? Where it's like, where the sleeves come in 80, but the perfect fits come in 100? <laughs> well, like, you know, the thing is that sleeves used to come in 100, though. Well, I don't know, maybe hot dogs used to come in the same ones, and then they went less. I mean, if they did, they're, they'd do it on my watch. Oh, I don't know. I'm just yeah, like, just to give you guys an idea here, um, uh, I'm just paging through Star City. Their dragon shields are ten bucks for a hundred count. Oh. Uh, their KMC mat sleeves are eight dollars for eighty count. So they're still ten cents per sleeve or whatever. Oh. Um, KMC regular sleeves sell for seven dollars for eighty count. Huh. Um. Since those are the ones we talked about, there's the Star City sleeves. Where are the perfect fits? Let's look under P. No items in that category. What are you talking about? Uh, Ultra Pro Japanese sleeves are $8 for 100 count. So you're getting a slightly better value out of those um, for the Japanese Ultra Pros. Those work pretty well. Um, Let's see here. I cannot seem to find... You know those sleeves with the magic? It says, like, Magic the Gathering on the back? You know what you mean? The backs of the cards, you mean? Yeah, yeah. are those American Ultra Pros? I believe so. Oh. Ooh. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, and those inner sleeves that I use, the perfect size ones, are KMC, just so you guys know. Yeah. They're KMC. I'm looking here on KMC's website, and they're KMC perfect size. Okay. So, and here's the thing, you guys. The only time I've ever had to throw out a perfect fit sleeve is when I pull a card out of it and it gets sat on or it gets folded in a box or it gets ruined that way. I have never had to replace a perfect fit sleeve when it's been on the card, ever. So these 500 or so or whatever that I have on my cube are like the original perfect fits that I've had since the beginning. Like and it's a great investment. If you look at the sleeves, you can tell that, especially if you collect foils and you like your foil cube, they protect the cards so much from surface wear. Um, it is it is the best investment you can make for your cube, other than, you know, sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> Regular sleeves. But if you like, I mean, they will even protect non-foils, too. Because, you know, all cards get that a certain amount of surface wear on them. But foils especially. It's a great way to protect your investment. I would highly advise doing it. And like I said, they last forever. So they you don't have to worry about it being a huge uh, money vortex like sometimes regular sleeves can be. Yeah. So here you go. Perfect fits at Cool Stuff Inc. are $5 for a pack of 100 Oh, wow. That's not bad. So... Wow. Yeah, that's definitely not bad. So, pretty cool. Can't use them on your Yu-Gi-Oh cards, but, you know, whatever. Oh, man, I wanted my Super Dragon Wizard guy to get protected. 
Right, your your brown butthole white dragon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you go. So. All right. Well, I, I don't know if there's really too much more to add about sleeves other than to to be like Nike and just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I would also advise to you guys if you're if you're budget minded and you have a regular play group, um, don't be bashful about asking people for donations of sleeves. Um, if you're the one, you know, especially if you're if you've supplied, you know, the vast majority of the cards, you know, or all of the cards, as is the case for a lot of cube owners, especially when they first start. Um, don't be, you know, don't be bashful. If people get a lot of enjoyment out of it, just, you know, every once in a while you can say, hey, guys, you know what, I'm looking to, you know, I want to resleeve, you know, or if you're playing and let's say you're breaking a lot of sleeves, like, oh, man, you know, I really use new sleeves. Like, do you think you guys can, you know, pitch in a few bucks? Or, you know, maybe when someone wins some store credit at your store, maybe they buy a pack of sleeves for you, for your cube. You know what I mean? And then once you accumulate enough of them, you can, you know, swap them out. But I wouldn't necessarily be embarrassed about that, um, especially if you're budget-minded and especially if, you know, the same group of people are getting the the enjoyment out of the cube that you are, you know, by all means, ask them for help. Mm-hmm. I hear that. I, I, you know, and, you know, sure, no, you know, none of us like to, to beg for things or ask for things, but you know what? Who cares? Like... If you don't want, you know, having to drop sixty something bucks on sleeves when there are probably new cards you'd like to get—that's a—that's a tough pill to swallow. New cards, like uh, like Innistrad cards, <laughs> right? Yep. See the whole man. What a segue! <laughs> segue. So you know, I'm sure there's all kinds of Snapcaster mages and stuff you'd like to pick up, but you know, you have to buy sleeves first, that's and true. people are are more than willing to, you know throw a few bucks in or a few bucks of store credit to, to buy you some sleeves for your cube than they would to throw a Snapcaster Mage at you. So yeah. <laughs> there, you yeah, go. there are people who will do that, too, and those people are awesome. But, you know, don't don't be embarrassed about that. And I, I, I think that's a, a really solid piece of advice. I mean, having a cube is doing a lot for your your area magic community, especially if you've cultivated a play group and you have people interested in it. Um to see if your community will do something for you and help you out as well. And, you know, don't be like, hey, you have to pay an entry fee to draft my cube. I mean, I guess you could do that. Well, I guess <laughs> like, there has to hey, be some kind of payout. I would right, say. For, the, for the next month, right, exactly, you do like a 50-50. You know, like, hey, entry into my cube draft is a dollar. Winner gets, winner gets, you know, half of it, and the other half goes towards the, the sleeve fund. I mean, that might be fine for people, too. I mean... People are getting, um, you know, if I had to pay myself a dollar or, you know, pay someone a dollar every time I got the cube draft, I would probably be fine with that. Well, I would snap do that. I would, I would just totally do that. <laughs> so, you know, there are, there are easy ways to, to find ways to get, you know, sleeves. And, you know, work with your store, you know, your local store owner, your LGS. I'm sure they can cut you a deal as well. So, yeah, you know, find ways to do it, especially if, you know, I'm sure, you know, some of you silver-tongued people out there can be like, well, you know, we do cubes here, and we brought in more people to the store, and they hang out here more, and they buy more stuff. Oh, you got me a deal on the old sleeves. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Some store owners may be like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Other store owners are going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. I should charge you to use my tables since you're taking up time. Yeah, that's sad. You have to be careful about that. But anyway, speaking of new cards. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, like the slops and flops. Or, man, I pops can't, and flops. Pop, pops. There we go. Pop it up. Yeah. Paps. 
Paps and flaps. Paps and paps your. Uh, paps and flaps. Shack no, your pap. Yeah, shack your pap. That's what I was going for. Shack your pap. <laughs> bolt your pap and bolt your face at the same time. There you go. All right. So, cards that obviously we all know that Snapcaster Mage is awesome. You know what I mean? We don't have to necessarily talk about that. But have you found any cards that have been above and beyond or far below your expectations so far as far as Innistrad cards? Uh, I've been trying Olivia Voldaren, and she's been very good. <laughs> okay. I mean, I can't thank, thank you for listening. That's all we have for oh, oh, now I remember. Uh, Moldgraf Monstrosity, he kind of, uh, he kind of, he kind of let me down. He was, Which he was, one is that? Which one the, is Moldgraf? The one that returns a guy at random from your graveyard? Yeah, it's a, it's a seven mana eight eight trampler, and like when he dies, you re- uh, exile him, and then you uh, return two random dudes from your graveyard into player battlefield or whatever. Whatever these new okay. kids call it. I don't know, it just felt like a rather disappointing ramp target. Like, I don't know if I'm judging it on wrong merits, but it just felt like it was just a, you know, it was just really not that, usually, like, with my ramp targets, I just feel like, all right, deal, I ramped into this guy, deal with it. Like mm-hmm. Battle Sphere, you know, just to go back to that same example, you know, just ramping up to a Battle Sphere, it's like, okay, I've got this 4-7 and a bunch of small guys, represent, like, what, 12 power, like, okay, deal. You better deal with this or you're dead. Uh-huh. And they have to, like, deal with all four guys. It has kind of, like, built-in, you know, kind of resistance. And I guess Moldgraf, in theory, does, because he can bring stuff back. But if you ramp into him, like, it's going to bring – it's not going to bring back – it's not going to – you know what I mean? It's the value isn't that – they're not going to be, like – you know, like, say if they deal with a worm coil engine, for example – and, you know, they kill the Wormcoil engine, and they're like, ugh, well, I still have to deal with those two guys, which sucks. You know what I mean? Whereas with something like, uh, where something like, uh, Moldgraf, it's like, oh, okay. Uh, he got back, a he got back a 3-3 and a wall of roots. Okay. That, that's not too bad for me. You know what I mean? I don't know if this analogy makes any sense. It probably doesn't. Because my analogies are that good. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know. You, you know. But you know what I'm saying, though? It's It kind of felt like a... You know, it's kind of like I was saying earlier with, like, the ramp target that 7 just have been kind of disappointing in cube compared uh-huh. to Battlesphere. And I, I'm hoping I'm not just overly comparing everything to Battlesphere, but it's just, like, even Palakworm has been pretty solid just as... You play it, even if they deal with it and you draw a card, you're still getting a, you're still getting a good amount of value when you play it and then when it dies. But I don't know. I I really wanted it to be good, you know, maybe because I'm just trying to push Green Ramp more. I just really wanted him to be a lot better, but he just didn't do enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's probably great if you draw mid-game. You know, if you have, like, in one of the few, first few games I had with him, it was like opponent had... Uh, it was something like two six drops and then two, like, dirtly rampy guys, like uh-huh. Wall of Roots and a Wall of Blossoms or something stupid like that, and then, like, a Prime Titan and then another six drop. And you got back, I think, back Prime Titan and a two drop. And that was still fine. Sure. But you can't, But he didn't really ramp into it. He just kind of mized into it in the middle part of the game. It was like, 
Oh, okay. Seven drop. Okay. Deal with it. Okay, you did. Here's the things. But I don't know. It could be that I'm just doing it wrong for card evaluation, but I just end up being disappointed with him and then took him out eventually. Sure. But, yeah, that's that's my story. I don't know. There, there's one card I know you definitely want to talk about in terms of how it how well it turned out. Uh, I, and I t- touched on it earlier. Reckless Weight was just awesome, awesome, awesome. Every time it, it seemed play, every time we, we've had great success with it, every time it's had play. Um, obviously, you know, optimal time to play it is turn one. But, you know, all your, you know, that's when you want all your one-drop guys is turn one. And I, I have found in my cube environment, the non-power, non-fast mana environment, um, it flips so much. Um, obviously, it's not super awesome against the other aggro decks because, you know, most likely they're going to have the one-drop too. But you have to expect that there maybe is going to be, you know, one other aggressive deck. You know, if things fall along the line, one, maybe two. And so, you know, they have to be on the other team for you to play against them, and they, you know, they have to have their one drop also. Ideally, if you're the red deck, you should be eating most of the red one drops, so you're, you know, taking up a lot of their space. But every time I play the card, it's just like, play it, groan, land, go. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> woohoo, party time. And it's, you know, it's, and if it eats a removal spell quickly, you know what? Awesome. I am just yeah. fine with that. I, that's, like, the Terminate test isn't a very good test for one-drops anyway. It's like, right. it dies to Bolt. It's like, okay. Okay, fine. They had to kill it, you know? Yeah, and it's a one-drop. Who cares? Like, that's, right, who cares like, if it dies to like Bolt? Whole... I think we're in trouble if one-drops stop dying to Bolt. Yeah, like, well, I guess they kind of did in Modern with the <laughs> Punishing Fire or whatever. But, I mean, you know, I guess the whole argument with the Terminate test is, like, you know, you you play Consecrated Sphinx, and then they Doomblade it or whatever, and it's like, oh, I spent six and they spent two, so they're up on tempo. By the way, Consecrated Sphinx is really good. But and, yes, and, it, it, it is it is very good, that's for sure. I was I was not entirely convinced at first, but I have definitely become a believer. Yeah, same thing surprising with Elish Norn, who I thought at first was like, oh, man, this is awful. And then I tried it, and she, she passes the Terminate test pretty well, actually. Like, yeah, you know, I'm a little unconvinced about that one still, but I haven't tried it, so I can't say for sure. I, I, I just see how good it is in Constructed. Ugh. Oh, yeah. So good. Like, she usually at least kills a couple things down, and then almost, like, nothing can kill her in combat when she comes into play. It's like, what what in Cube can deal with a 4-7, aside from, like, you know, 187s or whatever, but... but well, the like, other thing, too, is that you have to realize that, you know... Until you kill it, all your guys are also too smaller. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, nice, uh, nice room coil engine. And granted, that kills it with that touch or whatever. I feel a lot of the Titans are pretty good against it. Like, Frost Titan, sure. I'll lock it down. But you know what I mean. Like, at right. first, the thing I, is, locking it down is not always the, the best answer. Like, yeah, like, all your guys still suck. Right. All your guys still suck, and all their guys are still enormous. And God forbid they have something like a Mirror Crusader on their side of the table. Yeah. Or even just, like, their dirtily two twos, their mana wars are like four fourth now. It's like okay, right. deal, or if they're a token deck, you're, oh. you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, deal with my uh, cloud goat and all these guys. And that's a card. Speaking I of which, I, got, I just picked up a full cloud goat ranger thanks to my friend Zach. Nice. He has to have one sitting around, and so we're going to run it. It's a card that I've stayed away from for a while, and I'm kind of like the more I think about, it, I'm like, why am I not playing this card again? So to be honest, at first when I when I first I think Evan Irwin put it in his cube. 
I'm like, why is he playing this card? It's awful. Like, this isn't, this isn't, uh, Lorwyn Limited. Like, why is he playing this terrible card? But as it turns out, a five, flying 5-3 five, for 5 that also, ha- you know, that brings into play three other dudes, it's just, it's very good. I, I don't know if I'd consider it a staple, but I think people tend to overuse that term. Like, Agreed. this card's a 360 staple. Or, like, Vampire Interlopers, a 180 staple. It's like, are you kidding? No. <laughs> no, sorry. It's, it, it isn't. It's, it's fine. It has its purpose, but it's not a staple. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But, uh, what was that card? It was a, oh, Cloudgo. Yeah. So Cloudgo. Cloud yeah. I've actually really liked the, uh, the Innistrad update one, too. Uh, Geist Honored Monk That's has right. actually been pretty solid for us so far. Like, um, how, uh,. Well, I was going to ask how does it compare to Cloud Goat Ranger, but that doesn't really work. So. I, I don't know. I'll let you know. However, what I what I did take out for it though, I made an easy swap. I took out. I was running Conqueror's Pledge. Oh um, yeah. That five yeah. drop slot. So that seemed like an easy upgrade to me. Uh, the only reason why Conqueror's Pledge was kind of fun is because we play a lot of uh, DC ten or Type four with the cube. Oh. So being able to to cast it and flash it back when you don't have to worry about mana is kind of neat. Right so, but I, I realize that that time has passed, and I realize I don't really care about that interaction so much anymore. Where uh, have, uh, what kind of decks have you usually played the Geist, Geist on? Um, they've been, so far, they've been uh, white and green mid-rangey type decks. How, uh, big, how big would you say she usually gets? Uh, average average size is, is a four, four and a half, four and a half. Wow. That's pretty uh, good. So, because there's usually, you know, there's always one or two other creatures in play. Yeah, so, like, even know. if it's like a wall of... Right, Brutal. wall of X and a 4-4 four, four that you played the previous turn. Yeah, Bayloth thing. Yeah, like like one time it was it was just, you know, unfortunately it died right away, but, you know, that's fine too. Um, someone had uh, two, had Mana Elf, two-drop wall, uh... And then, uh, like, a Blastoderm in play, and then played it. So it's just, like, 6-6 six, six Vigilance or whatever for a couple turns. I mean, it got dead real fast, but, yeah, you know, it needed to be dead real fast. Speaking of which, how often do you think, would you say, that Blastoderm and Calstorm die from fading? Um, you had to say percent. Most of the time, because they're really hard to kill in combat. That's yeah. the thing. Really hard to kill in combat. I would say that I would say the majority of the time they're dying because of losing counters, if not if not the vast majority of the time. I was about to say I find that it doesn't happen that much. Oh, it it happens quite a bit here because most of the time what it what it becomes is it becomes a three turn abyss. Yeah, and that's my favorite. I think that's what Adam wrote on on the Blastoderm that I have. He's like the abyss. Yeah. When he's the guy, he's gonna get killed. He's like Usman. I'm like. Sweet. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that's pretty. I mean, and that's what the card winds up being most of the time. Either that, or becomes you know they're dead. Oh, speaking of stuff that happened when they're gone, Adam Staborski took over on uh, Gathering Magic. Right, took over Trick's gig because Trick got uh, Kelly Diggs's job. What was it like? Website manager or something? A content manager or something? Right. Yeah. So yeah, props to uh, props to Adam. Yeah, props to Adam for sure. I'm hoping that. Uh, in my sojourn home here, uh, pretty soon, um, there's I will be driving through Baltimore, and uh, perhaps there will be a chance that I will be having 
a meal or a coffee or something with one Senor Staborski. So be awesome. I will also, He's, I will also be passing uh, Kenny Merrillville as well. So we'll see how mu- how well how much time I have. We may be stopping for a mid road trip uh, cube draft. Watch out for uh, uh, fires or whatever Ritzfelds. <laughs> Right, I'm gonna watch out for all the wild nacodles that are roaming that, that part of the country. <laughs> now here's a segue. Have you uh, have you tried brimstone volume in your cube yet? I have not. I have not found the foil one yet, so I haven't had a chance to try it. Oh, that card would look sick in foil. I would imagine. Yeah, I have not. Oddly enough, because it's not a card I've been actively seeking out. But you know, when I do trading, it's kind of a card. If I see it, I know it's gonna catch my eye, and I'll trade for it. Um, someone recently, uh, a friend of mine, Billy. Uh, from Billy Gogol from Arizona recently at the Invitational donated a foil Fiend Hunter to the cube. So Yeah, that, talk about yeah. talk about Fiend Hunter. That was cool. Um got to watch it play. Basically it's you know uh in, in that time since it was donated I've watched it um just basically play a GTFO role of, you know, play a one drop, play a two drop. They're playing like you know random O for a wall. It's like nope, get out of the way, bash you again. <laughs> yeah, bash you again. Um, so it was it was pretty good in the capacities that I've seen it so far. I mean, the body I, I I haven't I can't really speak on whether or not the body has been relevant, except for you know the one game where someone went you know one drop two drop fiend hunter your blocker, uh, what's his name hero of blade hold. Oh hello. And uh, so that was a, that was a pretty good draw. Yeah, that's pretty sick. So. Uh, do, do you remember, uh, it was in one of the Diablos, man, I am so tangent, by the way, today. Like, do you remember in Diablo, the, the mall, like the weapon, the mall? Yes. Like, the two, like, it totally looks like he's holding a mall, like a bloody mall. Yeah, you're right. It does look like that. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah, the mall that you would use for, uh, whirlwinding if you were a barb. Yeah, or a druid or something. Like the bear or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, Diablo 3 comes out pretty soon. Oof. Oh, really? Man, I'm yeah, so fine. I think it's come, coming out in a month or two. It looks like it's going to crack. But, yeah, I don't even... Man, I, have much, I, have a too much, I have too much of a life right now. And yeah, I don't see. even have that much of a life, and I have too much of a life to play Diablo 3. <laughs> because I know if I start playing it, that's all I'm going to start... That's all I'm going to do. And I'm having a hard enough time that we're podcasting instead of me playing Skyrim. I can't imagine yeah. if Diablo 3 comes out. Yeah, I, I, this is like, man, this is the hardest part. <laughs> so, I check, I'm checking Twitter, and, uh, John, you know, John uh, Baldwin, uh, he posted, uh, and I checked the replies, he said, he, he tweeted this to you, he said, get Usman to giggle like a schoolgirl, that's my favorite part. You will not, you will not be disappointed, sir. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes. Yep. See, uh, that's what I, that's what I do. But like, uh, <laughs> I can't do that. Like, uh, with Brimstone Volley, like, I think this is one of those weird kind of lessons I learned in terms of card evaluation. Okay. At first when I thought of it, oh, like, okay, this is like, it's like an upgrade to, like, the three mana cards of upside, like Yamabushi Flame and Bolt Charge and, like, uh, Puncture Bolt. You know, it's like, it's another one of those, or, like, Urge of yeah, yeah, punch, puncher, yeah, puncher bolt was like a bad removal in limited, but yeah, puncher blast. Puncher bolt was fine. That was the two mana one, right? Yeah, I mean, but it was generic re- limited removal. I'm not playing that cube. No, 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 not in cube, but. Yeah. 
But, like, I, at first I was like, okay, it's a three-mana removal spell. It, it probably should be fine. And then the more I thought of it, it's more like a... Did you remember the card Thunderbolt from uh, Weatherlight? Yeah, the, the dealt four damage to the face or a blue creature or a flying creature or something was, like that? It was like three damage to a player or four to a flyer. Okay. And this kind of reminds me of that where it's like deal, it's like deal three, three to a creature or five to the face. Yeah, and that's what it ended up being. And I'm like, man, because you're just like, okay, attack with my stupid guys. Okay, deal five to you. And then whatever. And then after that, I'm like, wow, I like this card a lot more. So I think I was just looking at it wrong when I was first looking at it. I think in my, in my uh, review, I thought, I was like, this card's fine. I don't know if I say it's, like, super sick, but it's it's good. So yeah, my world only cost two, though, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that was one in a red. But, you know, it's kind of like where it had kind of like a... But no, you're right. It's like it's, like it's got two different modes. Yeah, I, I can see. I, I think the comparison is, is fair. Yes, another strange respawn analogy works. Success. <laughs> we did it. And it was another one of those weird things, like, I, I thought of Deep Analysis. I was like, Deep Analysis is actually a draw three. It's just that one of the cards that you draw is, like, a slightly worse Night's Whisper. Right. And then I think, like, Zach Hill did an article in Flashback. He's, like, talking about Firebolt, and he's like, what would you think of this card? It was like, shock, draw a card. And then he's like, because that's what essentially flashback cards are. I'm like, man, I need to work for R&D. I come up with analogies that are so <laughs> off the wall. Give me a job. Right. <laughs> Get me over there. Hire me, please. Yeah, please. Okay, thanks. I'm tired of crunching all the numbers. Digga, <laughs> <laughs> digga. Ding, ding, numbers. But I don't know. Like, I'm looking at the other, a lot of the other cards, like, Liliana has obviously been crazy. Yeah, card's nuts. Yeah, a Snapcaster, obviously ridiculous. Garak is insane. Yeah, I, I don't know where I would rank him in the in the uh, in the hierarchy of Garricks, and that's hard. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. you're right. I, I think that that is a a tough thing to do. I, yeah, I don't know. Because I mean, they're definitely. I mean, I feel like he's. I want to say he's better than Garrick One, but yeah. then again, there are times where Garrick One is unbeatable. Because yeah. you're just like you have enough creatures on board, and you're just like untap two lands. By the way, you're dead next turn because I'm overrunning you. Yeah, overrun, suspend one. Right. Yeah. So. this? Can I can I tell you a card that I've been disappointed in that's come out recently? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's it's an M12 card that I found is actually completely mediocre. Let me try to guess, but I got nothing. Skin Shifter. Yeah, I ended up taking that guy out. That guy got fired recently. Ugh. At first, it I was, was like... At first, not. At first, yeah, I was like, at first, man, this guy's, like, so good. 4-4 four, four for, like, one green mana upkeep. Yeah, as it turns out, the one green mana upkeep's a thing. Right. And it's actually a real cost. So, yeah, I have... Uh, he has, he has seen the inside and the outside of my cube in pretty yeah. quick fashion. Unfortunately, I traded for him when he was still kind of worth something. So oh, that kind of that kind of stinks. But you know, you can't can't hit them all. Can't hit them all. If there's a green white humans deck, he could be part of it, isn't he? Human sure. shifter. He sure is. But there's a bunch of other cards that are just better. Probably. Hey, I gotta hope. 
Uh, but I don't know. Garrick, the nice, I don't know. Garrick at least, he at least patches up a hole in that he can at least deal with small utility guys. Like, oh, no, no. He is, he is super awesome. I mean, yeah. I, I really like this because, you know, I'll, the green decks are infamous for not being able to remove or interact with other people's creatures instead of in combat. Um, and, you know, sometimes they're just really annoying creatures that you need to be able to deal with. And, uh, you know, for example, something like Mother of Runes. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you'll, you'll run things sometimes where you're just like, okay, attack with my big red dude. And they're like, okay, block, you know, do something with pro red. And then after combat, you're like, oh, by the way, this guy, kill your mo- eat your mother. Yeah. And now Garrick flips. Right. And then do you, goes, do you, you know, he's, he's even fine just spamming tutus. Yeah. And that's what, yeah, I was about to say, even as like a, a bitter blossom that makes tutus, I'm okay with that. In fact, I'm more than okay with that. Yeah. But, but do you like him better on the Relentless side or the Veil Curse side? I, I do not have remotely enough experience with that to tell you. I have yet to be able to ult. I have not had nearly enough playtime with him. Because since I, I haven't gotten a foil one yet, so I haven't played with him in my cube. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to play with him in other people's cubes. But I have not spent enough time with him on the flip side without having already won. Yeah, that's true. To see how relevant let's, you know, almost any of the other side abilities are. I like the uh, the survival ability is nice. I love the fake Soren. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 fake Soren creature ability is better than uh, whatever Garrick flip side. Did we talk about fake Soren on the podcast? I know we talked about it before, but did we talk uh, about it? Uh, yeah, I, we talked about it before. I if. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even like talking about fake cards. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we did. At least I hope so. Otherwise, I'm going to sound stupid. Well, I do anyway. I'm sure people can just follow your Twitter <laughs> and find it there. So. Probably. That's yeah. But, all right. Well, let's see. Where where are we at on time here? Uh, uh, Skype says we've been recording for an hour 52. Wow. All right. Well, we might have to hit the wrap it up button for today. Is there, like, a, I think ever since, like, uh, changing my cube's multicolor, like, I've, I've made it, like, the three, you know, like, uh, Alpha Duel, Ravnica Duel, Fetch Land, and then two kind of wild card, you know, like fixers, and then like three actual multicolor cards, and like, okay. which is kind of a riff on the the guild thing, but like kind of an awkward thing was like, say white blue would get a ton of fixing, while like, you know, uh, Rakdos red black would get like a ton of multicolor cards without many fixers, you know what I mean? Uh huh. So this that method at least you know, uh, you know helps with that inequality. And I've been trying Kessig Wolf Run as like a red green kind of yeah wild card red green. I was card. I was actually going to mention that because I actually recently uh, a, a friend of mine Adrian uh, cracked a foil cracked a uh, Japanese foil Kessig Wolf Run. Jeez. And was willing to uh, trade it to me for a a pretty good price for me to try it out in the cube. And I've been pretty impressed so far. You like it? I like it. I do. Go, please go on. <laughs> I, guess I, I do. I, it's it's one of those cards. That it's it's one of those grown cards. You know, it it hits play, and it's just like, what am I going to do about this card? Because I was definitely every about to say, sing- 
Yeah, it's like, now what do I do? <laughs> every single creature they play, I have to deal with every single creature they play from now on. Yeah. And it's also, like, uh, that article you did on combat tricks. Mm-hmm. You, and even though it's an onboard trick, they still have to deal with it. It's just like, you attack with three two twos into a 4-4, four four, into, like, say, their Chameleon Colossus or their Baylock. Like, okay, what are you going to do now? Like, before it was just kind of like, okay... Do I want to get four damage in? Otherwise, I'll just blindly swing into there, and then they have to see if I have the bolts or the giant growth variant or whatever. And this way, it's just like, okay, you you still have to deal with my guys. Or the best part, which I which gets to the point of having to deal with everything. Say even like in the mid to late game, you play like a wild dogs or something or a jackal pup or something. It's like, okay, this guy represents six power. Now you have to deal with it. Okay, next. Okay, here's a, here's a pouncing jaguar. Here's a jungle lion. Okay? You gonna deal with these? Right, exactly. Even, like, your crappy guys that you can draw late all become huge threats. Yeah. And I think the fact that it, and, the, and the real kicker, it's not just, you know, obviously the pumping is, is where the action's at, but it's the fact that it gives trample. Yeah. Big kick in the cojones. Especially if you have guys like Worm Coil Engine or something, or... Oh, wow, Inferno Titan? Oh, hello. Well, actually, it's not really, because it pumps anyway. We can just um, we can just go red-green, tap to give him trample or whatever, and then fire-breathe him. Right, right, right. I've, I've also done that before. Nice. It's just like, two mana give a trample. Or, you know, they're like, hey, I'm going to Phantasmal Image, your best guy. It's like, sweet, kill it. Yeah, kill it. Do you remember, uh, was it Skarg, the Rage Pits from Ravnica? Right. This card is way better than that card. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's strict upgrade because I don't want to get super drunk or get everybody else super drunk. But, you know, it's it's upgrade. Yeah, it's 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 a nice one. Yeah. I haven't gotten the dream of getting with Prime Titan. I mean, I'm not playing Ink Moth Nexus because that card just sucks in cube. But, you know, just, like, get, you know, get it out in the mid to late game. Because I think, like... When people, like, complain about aggro in cube, they're like, well, if I draw my jackal pup on turn eight, then it sucks. And the first thing I'd probably say is, okay, the game shouldn't be lasting that long anyway. But if it does, like, it's like, then this gives so much extra, you know, oomph to those guys. Like, okay, take eight, take nine. And and then a trample, you know, makes some kind of, like, mini bird spells as well. And it's, would, would you say it's splashable? Her, you know, harkening back to a previous podcast? I I think so. I mean, if you have the mana for it, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, Because the thing is, is you don't need it to come online very soon. Yeah. It's it's not very good if it's one of your first uh, four lands, necessarily. Actually, just not at all. It's, yeah. a, it's something you want to... It's something you want later in the game. It is a, it is a reach card, for sure. Yeah. Um, now, granted, that being said... You can definitely, you know, without having that much mana available, just giving something trample on a land is can be pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, and there's a little bit of, there's an opportunity cost in that it makes, you know, colorless instead of red or green, but that's, that's fine. But so basically you have, a, you have a colorless mana source that is functioning that is doing double duty as a spell, as a real spell. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a... You know, how far beyond or whatever, plus yeah. trample. Oh, wow. Wow. Wow, I did not realize that Flavor, Howl from Beyond, yeah. Wolf, 
Wow. Yeah. Oh, mind blown. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and how I didn't give trample. Oh. How? Wow, my mind just got blown on the podcast. <laughs> nice. I hope I get some more people with that one that didn't didn't quite think about that. No, I totally did not. But there are other, like, lands, like, uh, was it Urza's Factory? Where you tap it for a colorless and then you yes. tap seven and it to make a two-two? Yes. And that, now that card was, in, it, and it's fine, but, you know, you just need so much mana to get value out of it. Whereas this one, you know, Kessig Wolf Run, you don't really need that much mana. Right, you need and two it, colors of mana, which is a little on the rough side. Yeah. But, but it's, it's definitely something you can, you can have as, you know, you can splash for, I think. I mean, it's not worth making your mana base worse to splash for, because the card itself is going to make things worse for you. Yeah. But like, if I, you have good ways to, if you have solid ways to find it, then absolutely. Just like the same way I think, uh, you know, for example, a card like uh, Raging Ravine, I think is a fine card, too, to do that for. You know, to prioritize your your dual land fixing, which, you know, to this day, people still don't take lands highly enough. Yes, uh, you see. But, you know, I, I think it's definitely a card that you can you can get value out of. Uh, maybe not so much early, but in the as the game progresses, the value just goes way up. Because, you know, I mean, let's face it, we've all played that creature deck where, you know, you're on turn seven, you have a million lands in play, and you draw that 2-2 two, two for one. Yeah, and you're, and you're just oh. like, all right, well, here you go. Now that 2-2 two, two for one, not too shabby looking. You know, you draw that goblin guide mid-game, you know, on turn seven or whatever, when you're kind of at a stall, and you're just like, oh, well, now I'm going to be, you know, haste attacking for five or whatever, or four. I have a ball lightning six, or, you know, right. So it's significant, I think. And, I, you know, I, I haven't seen too much play out of it yet, but I've liked what I've seen so far. Yeah, I don't, I and think I, it's... And any excuse for me to include lands in the cube, I don't really need that much excuse to include lands, because lands are awesome. Lands are. And, you know, once again, a lot of people don't follow that belief, but I don't want to say, yeah. I don't want to come out and say that you're wrong, but, yeah, <laughs> I don't agree. Well, we did have a podcast about people doing it wrong. Yeah, lands are awesome. Mm-hmm. Lands are awesome, so. I don't, I don't know if I'd say, like, I still think, I still think Cassie Goldfront is worse than Raging Ravine, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. That's fine. Yeah. It, it's the okay. other thing, though, too, is that, you know, the other thing you have to keep in mind, too, that Raging Ravine actually requires you to have two green sources in your deck. Because the Raging Ravine itself is the, is a green source, if you want to count for it that way, and I think that's one mistake people make when they play with it. They're like, okay, well, I have this Raging Ravine. That's a green, that's a, or that's a red source, or that's a green source, and I'm splashing this card plus two other ones. But the Raging Ravine itself will not help activate itself. Yeah. So unless you're pulling shenanigans with, like, Garrick one or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's yeah, and I think that's a very subtle mistake that people can overlook during deck building, is that you can't, you know, you, you can't count it as a fixer to help itself. Do you, I don't know if I made myself entirely clear about that, but just like you know, you look at your, you know, you, let's say your your red white deck and you want to splash, you know, a couple green cards. You want to splash like you know Tarmogoyf, 
Raging Ravine, something else. You're like, oh, okay, well, I'm splashing Raging Ravine, so that's a spell, and Tarmac, that's a spell, so I need, like, sources, and I have this, and you just have to realize that the Raging Ravine isn't going to help you use the Raging Ravine. Yeah, it's just going to help with Koi. Right. While something like Keswick Wolf Run, any, any of the mana is going to help it do something. Yeah. So, you know, it, it only requires a singleton of each one. To, to make it work, so. Yeah, and then, yeah, like you said, even even then, if you, even if you don't have the mana to spare, it's just like, okay, give my guy trample. Right, and like I said, that's actually, you know, significant at times, so. It, it, let's just say it is not insignificant. We'll put yeah. it that way. Yeah. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of, like, playing that and, like, Crater Hellion or something. It's <laughs> so, like, wipe the board, and then... Like, after you pay Echo, then, okay, so that's actually... That's right. Well, and, and you know, there there's a, a grand tradition of, of big dudes that just... It's like, why doesn't this guy have Trample? Yes, uh, Terastodon. Right. Why does that guy not have Trample? It makes, I think in R&D, they talk to somebody, he's like, well, we want to make give people the challenge of giving it Trample so they can feel good or whatever. I'm like, what? No. Maybe I'm just not that guy, you know. Maybe I'm not that psychographic, but that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, you know, it. Well, you know, it is what it is. But you know, being able to give trample to guys like that, or granted, you'll have if you're casting Terastodon, you should have plenty of mana to give it plus a billion pumps. But yeah, that's... but I'm thinking more along the guy along the lines of something like uh, Countryside Crusher. Yeah. So so you have this, you know, you have this 3-3 guy that's going to definitely become larger as you go through the game, but you're going to kind of be limited on what how many lands you have. Just giving that guy trample is pretty good. Yeah, then it's like because at some point he's just going to get huge and unmanageable for your opponent. With him, it always it's, there's like this deal with this or die factor. Mhm. And then with the you know, it's just like, but, you know, in theory, they can just chump block it. Well, they don't right, really and that's what happens a lot of times with that guy is they'll continue, you know, it will kill, you know, basically one of three things happen. And maybe this counts for every creature. Maybe I'm just talking out of my rear end. But, like, one of three things is going to happen. They're they're going to deal, they're going to just kill him. Uh, or, you know, they're either just going to kill him or they're just going to, you know, they just have a, a never-ending stream of, of dorks to throw in front of them. They're going to... Uh, he's going to kill your opponent because they can't deal with him in short fashion, or they just really give you the business and they put something like Faith's Fetters on it. Oh. And you're just like, Ugh. You know what I haven't seen happen in Cube, by the way? Uh, what's up? I haven't seen Abyssal Persecutor get one of those white enchantment removal spells like a Fetters or like Me a Temporal Isolation. Yeah, I haven't seen that happen. It would... I haven't, that would suck when that would happen, but yeah, I it, it dies right away. Yeah, <laughs> it, it dies right away. Don't don't fool yourself. You're playing a six six trample flyer for four mana. Yeah, you're gonna kill it. Don't don't fool yourself into thinking that. Well, they're just gonna counter all my spells, or they're gonna not let me kill it. Oh no, they'll kill it for you. Yeah, <laughs> you can. You know, your opponent does not have. You know, they tell you this at the beginning of every tournament. You know, about when they talk about judges and about asking for ruling questions, your opponent does not have your best interest in, at at heart. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot rely on your opponent not having a way to kill it that you can't deal with. 
That what I mean is like the like the fetters kind of. No, 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 I know what you mean. But those are the, those are like the super nut low for it. But I haven't seen that happen. Then I haven't seen it happen. You know. No. And while that would be awesome or whatever, you know, like, it, you know, I, I I would say I get my uh, planeswalkers and uh, planeswalkers equipment and. Uh, countryside crusher. I probably get those face fetters more than anything. Jeez. It's always the worst feeling, like, when you have to, like, face fetters your opponent's sword. Because, and it's equipped to a guy who's already annoying, you know, who's already dealing damage to you. It's just like, I have to, I have to fetters the sword. Right, because I'll, I'll be able to kill that guy soon. Yeah. But I can't deal with that thing if he moves it somewhere else. Oh, the worst is when you have to face fetter their basic land just to gain the oh, four the life. Four? Oh, wow. Wow, that's the worst. That's <laughs> the worst. You're like, uh, gain four? Woo! Super healing south. Like, Tarot's faithful without the one four body. <laughs> oh, that was another one of my, uh, my good MTG carols on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, oh, come, Tarot's faithful. Yeah. And it fits, like, syllable-wise. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, come, Tarot's faithful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Game for life. Forever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also may have seen... You know, I, I'll, I'll end the face feathers discussion on this. I also may have seen face feathers enchant the following things. Number one, the awkward one, is got to see it enchant a uh, debtor's knell. Oh. Because you just needed the four life. Just wow. like target that just because it was amusing. Yeah. I've also seen it enchant a Yogmarth's bargain. Wow. That one was nice. Yeah. <laughs> have, have you ever seen anybody uh, fetters a vortex? No. <laughs> yeah, because that would be hilarious. <laughs> no. That, that would not... be under the guise of, I'm losing this game, I'm just doing this because it's amusing. Yeah. Or maybe somebody not knowing what they're doing is like, these aren't the droids you're looking for, you know? <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. I'll do this and be awkward. Or, yeah, it's like, oh, oh, okay, I'll scoop. Right, like, oh, let me do this, oh, I'm a, no, oh, all right, yeah. <laughs> well, fetters on a vortex is fail on so many levels, it doesn't oh, stop Oh, it sure life. is. It doesn't stop the life gain. Wow. No, yeah. Don't gain the life, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> it doesn't make you more, like, doesn't gain you life or doesn't help in the vortex race or anything. Nope. Doesn't do a damn thing. Yeah, it does nothing. <laughs> wow. All right, man. Well, I think we, I think we've we've covered a few things, covered a few tangents. We can probably wrap it up, hit the old wrap it up button, and, yeah. and get on getting on here. And we'll save some of the other ones. Maybe if uh, people like this format, maybe people can su- suggest some ideas for us and. Uh, Maybe we'll do, maybe our next episode, maybe we'll do another one of these and talk about some, some more topics. Some random stuff. Oh, and, uh... Yeah, because we've got a few left over that people mentioned that we can add to the uh, docket for next time. Yeah. And this was fun. Like, I yeah. like it. It's, it's always fun to do these anyway, though. But Of course, of course. I mean, Gur, I hate this. Oh, my God. 
I, right. That's why I didn't do it for two months. I hate, I, I you know, because of the Patriot Act, I don't want to associate with terrorists. This is true. <laughs> Every time I record a Third Power podcast, the terrorists have already won. That's true. So we've won, like, 23 times, I guess. I don't right. Know. Oh, my God, they keep winning. Stop. <laughs> like Charlie Sheen. Oh, stop. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you <laughs> left that. There's one thing I hated more than anything. It's the whole... I want to punch people in the face whenever they honestly say something about winning, like it's awesome. So I want to punch them. Oh, right no, like non, I, like non-ironically saying. Correct. Like, Correct. Oh, I, I haven't seen much winning on Twitter, thankfully. No, like, I, I, you always have that person, that awkward person who's like three months behind everybody else, though, and they're like, I went and did this today, winning, and I just want to like punch their face inside out, just like. Whoosh. I think you know, like. Like a Bugs Bunny episode where you just like put your fist through their face and it like collapses. Yeah. <laughs> and then you pull it out and it just looks like an inside out face. Yeah, like the crater or whatever. But I'm not a violent person. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, and before I forget, uh, we've given some shout outs, I guess. On this, I want to give a shout out to, I think his name is Yugular. Yugular, I don't know. But he's from, uh, I think of it like as if the. Uh, the Scandinavians are trying to say jugular. Yeah, yeah. Pronounce their J's as Y's, so I always read it as jugular. Yeah, that works. Yeah. I'll think it's wrong, but that's the way I always see it. No, that, that works. But anyway, there was an episode of uh, Popper to the People, which is a you know, Popper-based podcast, which which is good. I definitely recommend them. And The Bridge, which is like some new... Yeah, I was going to mention J. Cal. That's a, a friend of uh, a friend of a good friend of Adam Prozac, who I got a chance to meet uh, a while back. Uh, J. Cal, Justin Calhoun, who started doing uh, MTG The Bridge, and those guys are hysterical. Yeah, you need to listen to them. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to to drink and podcast with those guys in Indy or in uh, uh, Charlotte or whatever. But those guys are awesome. They basically just like cubed the entire time and played all kinds of awesome, sweet games, and they are great guys and really funny and. Definitely recommend take it to the bridge. And un- un- unlike us, they're very non-work safe. Very <laughs> non-work safe. No, they, there's a reason why they're not on MTG cast, because they just don't even want to deal with any sort of uh, family issues or language issues. And So if you're offended by that kind of stuff, maybe uh, you might want to avoid them. So Yeah, and uh, so many insane plays with, like, with uh, Menendian and his friend Kevin Crone. Like they've had, they've, they've, I think they're ten episodes in, and it's been pretty interesting. And they use a '90s Rush song, which is as their intro theme. And I heard it, I'm like, dude, is it? Is that? And I was just like, wow. I forget the name of the song. It's it's one of the instrumental songs off of Counterparts. I forget one. It's like, I should totally know this, but I don't. It's but, not like Y Y Z, is it? No, no. It was from, it's it's from like '90 Counterparts. I think came in '93. Okay. I'm gonna look it up. Whatever. Counterparts. <laughs> Counterparts by Rush. How is it listening to Steve Menendian? It, his voice is actually a little quiet in the mix, but it's fine. I mean, just like listening to him talk, because there, there are definitely people. People are very opinionated about about Steve's writings and opinions about things, and I'm I'm kind of curious. I, I I haven't listened to it. I'm, so I'm, I'm kind I, of I curious I'm, where you come out in the wash on that one. I guess I'm kind of ambivalent. I, I don't know. Like, the only thing I've really noticed about him is, like, his voice is kind of quiet in the mix. It may be just a leveling problem. 
Oh, and the song, the song was Leave That Thing Alone. Leave That, that Thing Alone. It's a, it's, and it's the, like, they're an instrumental song off the of counterparts. And when I heard that from, uh, from that, the So Many Insane Plays, like, what they use that as their intro, and I was like, dude, this is amazing. They automatically get brownie points. Nice. And, uh, anyway, the whole reason I brought up this whole thing was, uh, Yugular, at the end, he did a episode on Popper and People, and then at the end, he's like, the, the host said, uh, do you want to give any shout outs? And he almost like snapped, said, uh, I want to give a shout out to Usman Jamil and Anthony Avatolo, who do the third power. I was like, I was at work when I heard that. I'm like, that was like, my jaw dropped, and I, I almost went like, dude, that's amazing. That's just awesome. <laughs> he moderates, I think, the, uh, the PVC Magic. Okay. Forums, which I think is like the big, like, popper website, you know, forum or whatever. Cool. That's, I have him, him on, but yeah, that's, uh, I don't give another shout out for Norbert because he's awesome. Right, and apparently uh, got got mentioned on the In Contention podcast as well. Got a chance to uh, cube draft some with uh, awesome man Ruben Bresler. <clears throat> yeah, he's he's a good guy. Yeah, he is uh, he is pretty awesome, and he's a pretty fine cube drafter as well, and pretty fun guy to be around. So I mentioned on that last episode how I you know it's my first impression with him after like you know just kind of introducing and then we did the draft. And then I think I play in first round, and I'm just like, okay, uh, you know, the deck I had was just, I, I don't know, I think I'm a really nice guy, but I just draft these annoying decks whenever I draft cube. And, like, Sun Titan, Standstill. Right, Creeper. Yeah, I'm just like, Winter Orb, go. And then he was just like, oh, my God, I I hate, you know, I don't think he said I hate you or anything, but he was just like, God, I hate this. And I'm like. And, and I'm one of those people who genuinely apologizes when that happens. Like, I am so sorry. And I'm not, no sarcasm either. I'm just like, man, I'm so sorry. That, that was really, that was just really awful. He's like, no, it's okay, you know? You're like, man, I am so sorry. I'm whooping your ass. Yeah. That's like, um, yeah, that's, that kind of sums it up. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, you can, uh, of course, find us all over the interwebs. Uh, we have the uh, the blog, Usman's blog, of which I sometimes contribute. Of uh, I'd rather be cubing. Uh, dot WordPress, right? Yeah. WordPress dot com. Dot WordPress dot com. We of course have uh, Twitter accounts. Mine is Anthony forty two, and Usman's is uh, Usman the Rad. Usman the Rad. Of course, you can find Usman's writings on StarCityGames.com. dot com. Um, you can find some of my archived writings at. I have some writings and archive stuff on Star City. I'm currently writing for Quiet Speculation, of which I have like three articles written, and I really just need to finish them and get them yeah, posted. And stop, stop playing Skyrim. <laughs> I know. I can't help it. There's, oh, but I, I just need to get one more level of heavy armor, and then I can, oh. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully uh, as I get reinvigorated by in, in Magic and and cubing and, and get on the ball again and, and start gaming on a regular basis. And I'm sure those things will happen. So I have a lot of good ideas. At least I, in my head, they're good ideas anyway. So good. hopefully those will start uh, reappearing on a more regular basis. Um, you can always find us, you know, on Facebook. Uh, keep an eye out. We're going to be starting, or we've already started, but we're going to start using a new Twitter account specifically for the podcast. So keep an eye out for that, too, uh, in the very near future. And I might post winning on it just to piss Anthony off. Right, right. So I can go on it. So I can go onto the account and delete it. We'll see um, how many times you can post it and see how many times I can delete the tweet. 
It's a it's a game. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Like you get to keep, you know, you basically what you do is you uh you count up all the time that it stays posted without me having deleted it. Yeah. <laughs> and it becomes a game on who wins by the end of the week if it spent more time up or more time down. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I see where this is going. I see where this is going. Well, I don't think there is, uh, you know, of course, oh, of course, we have the show email, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, mtgthethirdpower at uh, gmail.com. Of course, and we we try to check that on a regular basis, and uh, not a whole lot of uh, traffic on there, but we, we do try to reply to whoever likes to say things to us because, you know, we're vain and we like getting mail. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's really vain. I don't know. It's, it's a nice feeling. Well, you like it. You mean everybody likes to get attention, so. Sweet, unless especially hate mail. Like, yes, you guys suck. Oh, You're... we haven't gotten any of that. I don't think we've gotten any of that since our uh, sacred cow episode. I don't think it, did we even get any hate mail? Like, we, the, there are people who are mad on the forum, but I don't right, think right. We got a bunch of people. That's right. We didn't get any hate mail necessarily. We just got a lot of hate posts. Yeah, and that doesn't sound as cool. Hate posts. Hate, hate mail, right? Exactly. Hate yeah. tweets. There like tweets. Would it be tweets? Yeah. <laughs> Not quite sure how that works yet. I'm still new to this Twitter thing, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, well, it was good getting together and, and doing this again, and we'll we'll look forward to doing it again soon. Uh, probably not until after the new year. So for everybody out there, you know, have a, a happy and safe holidays, whether that be. Uh, Hanukkah's going on right now, whether it be Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Festivus, the, you know, Happy New Year, if you celebrate nothing, Happy have a good time and, and watch all the other stupid Americans walk around buying gifts for each other and laugh at them how you don't participate. I don't know but if I ever, I never thought that, even then, like, when I didn't buy Christmas stuff, I just oh. kind of just ignored a lot of it. I was just like, oh, okay, Christmas stuff. Laugh at all the people stuck in traffic. Buying stupid stuff. Oh, I would laugh at people going to the mall for sure. I'd be See like, that? wow. I'd be like, yeah, but I do that anyway, I think. Hey, I went to the mall. I went to the mall this week. I went yesterday. Uh, okay, I'll laugh at you. Bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. No, it wasn't, wasn't too bad at all. So, and, you know, I kind of like people watching too, watching everybody else interact. So. Yeah, there's certainly, there was one year when I think the only Christmas gift that I got was for my girlfriend at the time, and I was just like, okay. Uh, get her, I think it was like Mario Galaxy or whatever, and went to the store and got that, and then I was done. I was like, okay, there's my Christmas shop. Yep, done. <laughs> done and done. I guess that was one of those cases where being brown has its advantages, I guess. See that? What can brown do for you, Usman? Yeah. That's what you have to ask yourself. <laughs> can get you cavity searched at the airport. Cavity searches. you're into that sort of thing. It's. I guess that's a trade-off. Cavity searches versus... Not having to do much Christmas shopping. There you I, go. I don't know. I guess there's Ramadan too. I forgot to mention Ramadan. Ramadan kind of sucks. It's uh, I don't know. I can't eat. Yeah, when I did fasting, it sucked. It was just like couldn't eat. You had to wake up at like four in the morning and like eat whatever, and then like pray and then sleep, and then when uh, you know sunset or whatever happened, then you would just gorge yourself. Like ah. Oh. Right. <laughs> usually, usually eating stuff like dates and I don't know. God, this is this is a whole other party. There's stuff called pakoras, which are like fried in a I guess a basin, which is like uh, what's that? Chickpea flour. 
It's like yeah. potatoes and like uh, eggplant or whatever is fried in that flour. It's actually it's actually amazing. Like that and dates, I just remember having a lot of. So what was the name of that other food again? Uh, pakoras. I think that's that's the stuff. Yeah, pakoras are there's it's essentially stuff that's fried in uh you know chicken flour and then like dates yeah. or you know dates. Right. Right. Well, <laughs> I, I know what dates are, luckily. <laughs> and then I think like. I don't know, there's other thing called fruit shot, which is, like, a bunch of, like, random fruit, like, bananas and apples and oranges and whatever, just mixed together in, like, orange juice and some kind of, like, masala, some kind of, like, powder added to it. And that actually was pretty good. But okay. I think I remember having stuff like that, like, having, like, that, it may have been good just because I was starving for the entire day. <laughs> I could have had, like, White Castle and be like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> this is the most amazing thing ever. Oh, please, a lot of the new foods that, you know, I get into and trying, it's because I'm starving at the time, and the only thing available is, you know, food that I wouldn't eat previously. But it's like, nope, I'm starving, and then I eat it, and it's like, this is amazing. That happened to me with, uh, this is the only time I've really talked about brown people stuff, but, like, tea, like chai. Okay. When I, when I was in Pakistan, that was one of the first, like, the first times I had, like, I think I had it before and never really wanted to try it. And then I was in Pakistan and there was really nothing there. So oh. like my relatives would make like chai or, and then I was like, wait, this is actually good. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is actually good. Nice. And it's, I guess it's some kind of brown person thing to like tea, like, you know, Assam tea or chai or whatever. I don't know. Not being a brown individual. I couldn't tell you. We got me, I guess. Like, I guess right, right. I have, I have, you know, I'm kind of a not not pure white person, but we get. I guess I'm like a brown person emissary, like ready. Right, right. It sounds like a new magic card. Brown person emissary. Do you yeah, have a kicker cost coming to play? Now, when I die, I I guess I rampant growth or something. No, when you die, you blow up a bunch of other people. Every other lands, I guess. No, it's <laughs> oh, other, well, I guess I can well, blow up a, destroy a target creature when when I die. Suicide bomber. Yeah. What was it? False Prophet? Could be that well, one. Well, there was Kelvin Firebombers, and that's a card I so wanted to be good for Cube. You know what that card does? Yes. God, I want... It's like... Well, I guess the kid's playing a long go. Three, three double red, three, three. When it enters the battlefield, all players sacrifice lands down to three. And I, I so wanted that card to be good, and it isn't. Nope. Nah. Oh, well. All right, I think we've gone on long enough. It's, like it's, because it's, from, it's only because it's from Prophecy, you realize. Yeah, ah, stupid Prophecy. <laughs> good when, when they're in Prophecy. Hey, there's a Chimeric Idol. Yeah, well, it's no longer really good anymore because of Scars. Scars just muscled it out. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, like I said, everybody have a happy and safe holiday. We'll be back in... 2012, where uh, hopefully we'll hit the quarter century mark pretty quickly. Yeah. I want to try to get these done, like, every couple, like, on a regular clip, like, every two or three weeks or something. That sounds fabulous to me in theory. Yeah, I was about to say in theory. <laughs> Real right. life is annoying sometimes, though, so. Yeah, seriously. But, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Absolutely. But it has been a blast, for sure. Absolutely. Very cool. But there is one more thing, which we'll eventually, which we finally will get to. Oh, that's right. There is one more thing. I 
completely forgot. Yep. Rock over London. Rock on Chicago. Avison restored. Ignite the dawn. See you guys next time. Peace out. Peace. Yes, worst slogan ever. (laughs) (laughs) Avison restored. It's just awful. Yeah, they're pretty awful.